This podcast is proudly sponsored by David Robago Family Chiropractic. We fondly refer to our chiropractor as Dr. Dave, who is an ambassador of good competition and an active member of our jiu-jitsu community for the past 10 years. For sports injuries, think Robago Chiropractic, where soft tissue injuries respond quickly with chiropractic care so you can keep on training. Dr. Robago is conveniently located near Arden Mall at 1860 Howe Avenue, number 435. Give him a call at 916-568-6333 so you can give it your all on the mat. Don't forget to tell him. This podcast is also brought to you by ESAC BJJ, Sacramento's newest Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy, where we believe in Jiu-Jitsu for everybody. Whether you're a beginner or an expert-level practitioner, there's a place for everyone at ESAC BJJ. Check out our website at esacbjj.com, sign up for a free trial, and get on the mat today. You'll learn valuable skills for self-defense, make new friends, and get in shape too. Three, two, one. Hello everyone, welcome to Life and Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, in case you're noticing, this isn't your normal voice. This is a much sexier, bravadoed <laughs> voice. Uh, this is Blake Flo, and I'm going to be interviewing the uh, normal host of Life and Jiu-Jitsu. Hi, I'm Blake. Please introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, man? I'm Gibran. I am, uh, I am otherwise your host. <laughs> uh, so we had this idea because I uh, kind of figured people didn't know you. Uh, they only know you as a host. They never actually get the information that you get uh, when... You're interviewing somebody. You're not really talking about yourself. You're kind of yes-handing the conversation. Yeah, a little bit. So I thought it'd be a good idea if yeah. we interviewed you. Yeah, you know, uh, you um, you asked, you, you you said, hey, we should do this. You approached me with it. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You know, who am I? And then I think, fuck, who was it? I think it was Jason Roberts or Edder or Michael Martin. But like another person who, another person whose opinion I, I, I trust on these things. They're like, yeah, you should do a host interview. I was like, all right, fuck it, fine. You know, two two people said it on the same week. Let's let's do it. So, cool. So, how are we doing this? We're doing well. I just got a list of questions here. So, when I look down at my phone, it's not that I'm not paying attention. It's just that I wrote a few notes. I need you to look me in the eye the whole time, Blake. Yeah, yes, sir. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, I thought I'd start with just give me the elevator pitch of you, your life. You grow up in San Diego. You get into wrestling. Give me. You're you're born. You move up here. You start ESAC BJJ. Yeah. Just a quick. Just a quick run through. Yep. Sure. Um. I am a, um, I'm a, Cal- you know, I'm an American, I'm an American, uh, I'm an immigrant, uh, Mexican, really Californian, right? Like I kind of, um, really grew up in like California, Southern California, San Diego immigrant culture. So I guess what that means is sort of like my family is like twice cleaved, like once at the border, cause half of my family doesn't really, half of my family just can't get across the border. And then again, uh, at a divorce. Okay. And so like all, like actually all the big. Except for Susie and Abdul. Susie and Abdul, you guys are fucking going strong. We love you guys. But except for Susie and Abdul, like all the parental nodes in our family that came across the border, divorced. Okay. So we're all just kind of scattered to the four winds. And, you know, that that kind of had, um, you know, varying results <laughs> for, for the offspring of, of that situation because there's no... Some, the, some end up millionaires, some end up, you know, dead in the street kind of thing. Yeah, well, my sister my sister is the newest, um, my sister is the newest employee at Google. So Nice. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then others of us, you know, like weren't, you know, my cousin Oscar uh, threw himself off the Golden Gate Bridge last year. And Jesus I think, Christ. yeah, I mean, he, I didn't even know he was up there. And I mean, it was sad, but it wasn't that sad because I didn't know him. Sure. Just scattered to the four winds. Right. So there wasn't really like a a legacy of opportunity and mentorship. Okay. So, the, you know, we were latchkey kids, but at the same time, I kind of didn't realize we were growing up 
we were growing up like that until much later because we were just kind of getting by through the day. You know, mom made a big casserole on Wednesdays. No, well, she made a big casserole on Sundays. It got us through to about Wednesday, mm. and then you're kind of on your own till 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 Monday again. Um, so yeah, you know, I I just felt kind of kind of caught between two worlds growing. Not really caught between two worlds, but it's like you know, we spoke Spanish at home, and we spoke English outside the home, and um, you know, my my. My par- my parents and that whole enclave, they were kind of just very bunkered into like the Mexican American, the Mexican social identity um, of a first generation immigrant, and that meant like they really only socialized with other Mexicans. They really only socialized with the immediate family on weekends, and you know I pretty at a very young age realized that that didn't really align with my social goals or with my goals for broader integration into American society. I felt like I was, you know, young enough. And I felt like they were limiting themselves enough to where I was like, you know, I kind of don't want to do that. So how old were you when you realized that? That's a pretty like second grade. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Well, it's just like, you're just hanging out at Tuesday's house every weekend. Why mm-hmm. are we here again? Why mm-hmm. are we here again? You know, you didn't make one friend. You didn't like, make why one. did, why did we come here if not to meet other people? Yeah. Like, why, or, why did yeah. Just or, you know, or, you know, like, what, you know, like, how are you still struggling with your English 15 years into being here? English is a ridiculous language. Yeah, is the only yeah. Thing. But I mean, it's also like you know, you never made an effort to speak at home. You yeah. you you made a conscious effort to you made a conscious effort to hang out with other Mexicans and speak it socially. And so it always it was you always treated it as a second language. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of always treated you know where you are as a second home as opposed to home. And I, I didn't want that for myself. Okay. So um, I don't know. I guess I was just kind of figuring out where I fit in growing up. And for me, I don't know. So. I went back to Mexico City after my parents divorced, and when was this? How old were you? Got uh, second grade. Okay. So by then I knew I wanted to stay, but my mom took me back, and uh, Baywatch was huge over there. That's why you wanted to come back. That's why I wanted to come back. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, was, I, I liked it better. You know, they were beating my ass, and I was getting my ass beat in Mexico City. I looked white, and they just didn't like me. And I, you know, and by then I had already realized that the, there was just a better quality of life over here. And okay, you know, I didn't want to be in Mexico City, so. But when I when I came back, I told myself, "Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn to surf." Like that was a huge goal goal for me. It was like I have to learn to surf. Like it just seemed so cool to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, that you could take the energy of the wave and the energy of the water and kind of ride it and put your own stylistic sort of nuance over it. And then kind of like Southern California, like Ameri- like that seemed really like American to me, you know. Interesting. And I was like, "Fuck it," you know. Like if I if I get back there, that's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a point to learn to surf. So my dad kind of, my dad brought me back and, um, you know, I grew up kind of figuring out, I, although I wouldn't actually be able to get to the beach till years later, but I grew up kind of figuring out where do I belong exactly. Okay. You know, I always kind of felt like my parents had a, just like a fucked up take on the world. Like if you came here, be part of this. If you didn't, if you, you know, if you, if you came here, be part of this. Um, sort of then why even come kind of Then why even come? Yeah. You know, and you know, I remember they took me to. They, my dad took me to Coco's one time. He would treat us all to a milkshake. Sure. And I said I wanted vanilla. And my sister was like, that's because he's whitewashed. <laughs> <laughs> vanilla delicious. Shut up. I was like, yeah, vanilla is the best fucking flavor, clearly. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I was just trying to figure out where I fit in, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, in, That's everybody's adolescence. That's everyone's right? adolescence, right? In the sporting context, like in the sporting context, that meant that I was just kind of a little bit behind the curve on sort of getting – with the program in terms of sports, like I remember when I was coming into like freshman year in high school, I didn't understand that the football team was practicing over the summer. 
who the fuck do you talk to for that? Who like where's the outreach for that? Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. How how the fuck would I know that the football team is practicing over summer? You know, so I, I um I tried out for the football team and then you know whatever the fuck the coach was, dude, he looked like a lizard with human skin. <laughs> But um, he gave me a hard time. He's like, where the fuck were you in the summer? And I kind of wanted to be like, well, you know, I'm a Mexican immigrant. My parents don't know how to get by here. And I didn't, you know, you guys were here all fucking summer, you mm-hmm. know. But, you know, we're six weeks into a fucking football career that could. Who knows? Yeah. That who knows? Why are you, you know, why are you giving me a hard time? You know, so I, I you know, the whole thing, I think, just gave me a chip on my shoulder, which I'm, you know, I'm still trying to resolve. Okay. You, you know, um, so. What position did you play in football? Oh, fuck. I, I, I played fucking, you know. Helmet down, ass up, on the dirt, dude. Yeah. Just I just wasn't any good. The helmet hurt me. It was too small. I think you know the helmet's not supposed to give you a. It's not supposed to give you a headache. Uh, but there's that whole helmet rash thing that when you first put on a helmet in freshman oh, year. Oh, like dude, that, I had this strip yeah, of like, acne. Like a, yeah. I had this strip of acne. It just hurt so bad. Like dude. burned. Yeah, yeah, and then I, you know, um, Darren Childs. You know, they put me on kickoff return because everyone has to play at least one play. Mm-hmm. So they put me on kickoff return, and Darren Childs was, um, you know, he. You know, in high school freshman football, you can get variances among athletic abilities that reflect the variances of puberty. Basic, of puberty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This yeah. kid's so, six foot eight. This kid's four foot one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Darren Childs ran into my lane, and that was my job to stop him. And the last thing I remember was just kind of stopping before him, <laughs> you know, just kind of like this with my hands stretched out. And he just ran through me like a fucking, you know, he just ran through me like a pickup truck. Woke up on your back? Yeah. No, on my, I woke up on my stomach. Okay. And, um, I couldn't see anything because there was a clump of sod in my visor. <laughs> like out of a movie. Yeah, yeah. And um, they were rolling me over and I just heard I just heard Clint in the background. He was like, I think you killed him. Uh, so, you know, I finished off the – I finished off the – I was a defensive end and, mm-hmm. you know, for what I, the place I did play. I finished off the, you know, the year and then I was like, you know, basketball's next um, or wrestling's next. And I was like, oh, fucking great basketball. I can fucking play basketball with Darren Childs too. He's fucking just waiting for me on the basketball court and all these other big motherfuckers mm. too. Like they're just, you know, like I just saw how I, how I do against these guys yeah, in, so in the football pretty- context. And they were just waiting, they're just waiting in the, you know, it's like take that same group and put them on the court. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, I, I know how I'm going to do, you know? So, um, and then my cousin, Eric was a wrestler, uh, Eric Marcel. And he was just really cool, man. Cause he, um, I always felt like he had his own take on sort of adjusting to the U.S. and kind of making making it his own a little bit, mm-hmm. and still kind of keeping his like Latino culture. He had a, like a had like a cousin Rodrigo, and Eric and Rodrigo were always hanging out. I think maybe smoking a little pot and kind of in the back room listening to like Bone Thugs and Harmony and shit. And you know they had the and slick I miss back my hair, Uncle Charles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know he had like they had the slick back hair and they're sagging their pants and they're just really cool. But Eric was also a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. I was like, gosh, yeah, maybe I want to become a wrestler like Eric. So I um I did that and that just I don't know it just spoke to me immediately you know it's kind of like no bullshit you know it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from it's just very very egalitarian man it's just very like you know wrestling more than jujitsu but like wrestling is just very like the culture of wrestling is I think healthier for kids you know to at least inculcate them with the sort of like traditional American values of a meritocracy you know work hard. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll beat the talented people if they don't mm. work hard and uh, whoever wants it more. And it's not particularly enjoyable, but you know, it's more of like a deep satisfaction. Sure. No, I mean, yeah, wrestling's not enjoyable, but you, after you do it, it is. Yeah. Real quick question. Do you consider wrestling a team sport or an individual sport? I know you wrestle as a team, mm-hmm. but when you're on the mat with somebody, that's a very individual thing. Yeah. No, it's a little bit of both because you know, you, 
Jordan Peterson was just talking about like you, you oh, know they, they, they I'm tell, in a huge online debate with my buddy right now about Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yeah, but Jordan Peterson was just talking about like you know why you tell kids, you know it's not whether you win or you lose; it's how you play the game. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason you tell them that's because like the the games are actually just ways of exposing you to the broader rules of life, right? Make friends, play well, uh, keep a reputation. Yeah, if you play well, more people will want to play with you. Right, right, right. right. You, can, you can have your pickup basketball game next week because you're not fouling everybody. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, like you can't be so hell-bent on winning winning this one particular contest that the actual reason for which you are playing is, you know, is lost on right. you. So I think that there's, you know, it's both. Like it's it's just statistically proven, I'll bet, that the better teams produce better individual wrestlers. And that's because you you need like probably wrestlers up to two weight classes down and wrestlers up to two weight classes up to so sort of to spar with. Yeah. yeah, you know. And so, what does that mean in terms of like developing individual talent and developing a whole team? It means that you have to sort of like um, you you have to bring bring up all you have to be the rising tide that brings up all the boats mm-hmm. as a coach. I think you know, and your even your brightest stars. You know, even if the Ideally, you can do that in a way that doesn't make your brightest stars and your hungriest athlete feel like kind of pulled behind a little bit by the weight of these other guys. Mm-hmm. But if you develop everybody, everybody else does better. And that guy would you, be doing better as well, right? I mean, yeah, because you're giving them better partners. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I think that I had the wrong take on it when I was in high school. I really, when I was in high school, you I had the wrong take on something in high school. Yeah, man, <laughs> I was just really competitive. I was just really, really competitive in high school, and. um you know, if you weren't there to, if you weren't there to be, you know, a high level athlete and, and be competitive, then I, you know, I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to bother with you, you know? Mm-hmm. That's and, a very different thing than jujitsu, man. Yeah. It's a very different thing than jujitsu. Jujitsu's like, yeah, but hang out, kind of fun, you know? Yeah, no, then, yeah. Make it happen. Get on it. Try to kill each other, but all right, back to fun. Uh, yeah. No. In high school, it was like, it was really just me and Jose Herrera and Eric Rosigas and, um, Ignacio Lopez when I was a freshman, you know, Brandon Gonzalez. Um, and then people would kind of come and go here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was really, you know, there was like three of us in the room. There was like three of us. And we, the three of us would drill for like two hours sometimes, you know. Jesus. And be like, all right, those, you know, you, those guys don't want to join us. They don't want to like run a mile and drill and then lift weights afterwards. Fine. Fuck them. They're pussies. We'll, yeah, they're know, not good enough. Yeah. yeah We're you know, up the, here. Yeah, the, the three of us, you know. But, you know, I mean, that's limiting, right? Like we... You know, when I look back, I know that I lost matches to athletes that I was probably better than athletically and probably a better wrestler and certainly put more effort in, into it than, but only because they had a better diversity of of looks in the wrestling room. What do you mean by looks? Of, of, style, of stylistic exposure. They could play different, okay. No, they, they had partners that were exposing them to different styles. Yeah, yeah. So like they would, they would get a... They would get a stylistic nuance in a competition and be like ready for it because they had that sort of library of styles in their wrestling room because they didn't alienate. They wanted to get yeah because they didn't they weren't a dick yeah because they weren't a dick you know. So when I look back on it, um, I think there was probably a way for us to stay high level, but also bring up like the Langston Grams and like you know I, mean, I remember there was this one kid, Posey, Posey if you're out there man I'm sorry dude but uh, he. I don't know, man. He he must have been on the spectrum or something. There was there was something wrong with him, and uh, he you know his dad was a wrestler, mm-hmm. and so he wanted to be big and strong like his dad. And um, we were you know this was when we were at our worst when he came. Yes, high school room. is yeah. when everyone's at their yeah, worst. Yeah, when he came into the into the room, and 
we were just like, I wouldn't even talk. To, I wouldn't even look at him. I wouldn't uh, even look at him. You know, and that was that was really shitty. Somebody got to lift up, man. Yeah, yeah. I say that now as a 35, 34, How old am I? Whatever. I say that as an as an older man than as when I was. Yeah, 16. yeah. I mean, yeah. all the you know, all the all the the lessons of the whole thing are really clear now. Yeah. You know, but um, and then our assistant, our assistant's coach, our assistant coach, uh, Bisbing, Bisbee, who I think actually didn't know wrestling. He was just there to make us do push-ups and sure. stuff. Um, he ran like, um, he was like a paraprofessional and he worked with developmentally disabled kids and this, Posey was one of his kids. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't look at him. I think we kind of bullied him. I feel really bad actually. And, um, yeah. And then he did something like, he did something to me. Like he, he hid, like he got back at me. He like hid my phone or he like threw my, he did something. Phone. What year was this? This, I had a cell phone my senior year in in high school. Yeah. Uh, it was a little flip phone. But he did something. I don't know what or he like fucked with my wrestling with my knee pads. He did something. Mm. And uh we took the when, while he was changing, we took the only pair of trousers that he had and we threw it on the roof of the school. Oh, that's classic. And he was like in his tiny bullshit, Yeah, right? he was yeah. It, it was bullshit, dude. It was bullshit. And his parents came home his parents came to pick him up livid. You know, they're de- like demanding my expulsion. Yeah. You know. Which you know, I mean, I, I certainly. I've had far worse happen to me in high school. Yeah. I was never with the expulsion thing, but I, that that's well, yeah, that's you know, rough, yeah, but... who knew, right? Yeah. You know, and I, also I didn't really, I guess I didn't really understand like what pose he was going through at the time too, like you know, young men fundamentally lack empathy. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you get that later in life. Yeah. yeah. So so coach coach kind of coach finally pulled me aside. And this was one of the moments where kind of like I kind of got coach pulled me aside. And he's like, dude, what are you doing, man? This is one of this is one of this is one of you know, this is one of Bisbee's kids. Yeah. You know, do you know what that means? This is one of Bisbee's kids. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then coach had my back and he was like, well, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Posey, like he, he did like, you know, hide his phone. And, you know, I mean, like he he did. man, he coach Sheehy, man, he bailed me out of a couple things because there was a, there was another time with like these two Vietnamese kids. You may be going to hell for this. I want you to know just you better get right with the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I may be going to hell. With it. But there was this time these two Vietnamese kids fucking, um, you know, they were just bullies. They were bullies. They were predators. Mm-hmm. But we were waiting in line for like the. You know, like the kids that got free lunch all had to punch their code in mm-hmm. to get their lunch. Mm-hmm. And so it was like one line for all the poor kids. And so I was waiting in line. just I was just kind of queued up for lunch. And these two Vietnamese kids kind of made it a thing. Every every day they would just kind of like go to the front of the line and just shove somebody out of the way and get in, sure. and get in line. And um, this was like the week before like my master's meet, like before like my biggest wrestling meet of my career. And they come in and they like, you know, they shove the... They shoved the kid in front of me out of line, but that also means that they're cutting me. And I wish I could say it was just coming to the defense of the kid, but it was really like, hey, you're cutting me too, motherfuckers. And so, and they were significantly smaller than me. I was big and strong. I kind of shoved them back and I was like, I hate that bully bullshit. Get to the back of the line. I didn't hate that bully bullshit. I was a bully. Um, it's like, surprising oh. to me that you're a bully. Yeah. You're the first guy I rolled with at the gym. You were like a sweetheart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at the time I was a bully. I mean, you know, listen to what I just did to Posey, right? Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they both come up to me and they're like, you know, just let us in, man. You don't know who you're fucking with. I'm like, fuck you. And I like punched one of them. And they're like, all right, motherfucker, we're going to find you. And there was like 10 of them waiting outside because Sheehy was also like my English literature. Okay. He was also like my English literature teacher. And there's like 10 of them waiting outside his fucking, out of, outside of his classroom waiting for me to walk into, walk into school that day. And, you know, and they knew, they, they knew, it, they knew that I would be alone because I was always like 10 minutes late because I was too cool. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever bullshit thing you, you identify yeah. with in high school. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, I walk in there. Like, there's there's seriously like 10 of these fucking kids around. I'm just like, 
This is I'm, just, I'm just like, you're going to have to go back and get more friends, faggots. You know, some bullshit, you know, some stupid something Jew, you saw some, in a bad movie. Yeah, something I saw in a bad movie. And um, I immediately realized something over my head. And she, he, you know, they had those ramps for like, um, they had those ramps for kids in wheelchairs, yeah, those they, accessibility yeah, yeah. 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 Dude, she, he jumped out the door across both aisles of the ramp down onto the floor and he got in the middle of the circle with me. He's like, all oh, you fuckers better back off. This yeah. is my star wrestler. Man. She, he bailed me out twice, man. He bailed me out with the posy thing. And those kids were going to lay a real beating on me. Well, yeah, there's 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, they were going to lay a real fucking beating on me. So I think that, sorry, just to, uh, just to actually answer your question, um, with regards to wrestling being an individual sport and with mm-hmm. regards to sort of like the, the full development of me as a martial artist and as a grappler, it's a team sport insofar as you need good partners to, one, to, to be a better grappler and two, to sort of like, take the lessons uh, of grappling for life, right? Which is sort of like creating a social group, having a hobby that you sort of identify with outside of your personal and professional endeavors. And um, also, you never know, like you never actually know how good your team members are. Like there's a spectrum of like, you know, someone that doesn't look so good in the wrestling room might be a total gamer when it comes to competition. Mm-hmm. So you really owe it to yourself to develop everyone that's before you. Sure, sure. So I, I you know for for me that's that's where I where I lie on the whole the whole team aspect. With regards to, you know, sort of like the pitch for ESAC BJJ, I've been sort of like my maturation as a young man <laughs> sort of like mirrored the, my maturation as a grappler where you know, I even you know, for folks who rolled with me in my white belt and my blue belt years probably accused me of still being very much that same high school guy. You know, probably wasn't... Snapping people down. Oh, yeah, Yeah. man. Just snapping down accountants and dentists and kind Mm -hmm. of fucking, you know, driving their heads into the mat and, you know, giving them, like, real, like, Gibran high school-style wrestling, you know, and that you just... And they're like, oh, you don't understand. I'm here for fun. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't until years later that I sort of figured out, like, hey, you know, I'm... Yeah, I took my MMA fight. I don't think I want to do MMA professionally. What am I, you know, aside from just showing up every day out of habit, what am I doing this for? You know, How well, old were you when this was going on? Probably like 23, 24, okay. like kind of uh, just out of college trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Where did you go to college? Chico State. Okay. What yeah. was your major? Political science. I should have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think it's ultimately with regards to like my philosophy on on inclusivity and grappling is like, one, you're better off if you include everybody. Two, you will ultimately create better grapplers the whole room across um and three that's a really i mean that's a really good vehicle for i think young men in particular to sort of like you know mature themselves because we weren't meant to live you know stacked up in boxes working in cubicles being very nice to each other shaking each other's hands and there's never anything wrong you always got to be very polite and there's never any hint of confrontation or aggression we weren't like we're not we're predator like we're either predators or something very closely aligned to a predator and without like some sort of outlet i think for for at least some type of young men, it's it's really um, it's just really hard to get by. Um, and you know, aside from an outlet for aggression, I think for other people, that an outlet for self defense, for an outlet for creativity, um, is really important to foster as you as creativity. sort of creativity. Like, yeah, as, really, and wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It's just all it's almost all how you set things up. It's just all how you how you like trick someone into taking a step where you want them to take mm-hmm. a step so you can grab their leg. Okay, like wrestling's okay. really like wrestling's just all setups. Like it's the same moves. You yeah. know, wrestling and boxing I think are very similar because not a lot of moves in in boxing, right? Like jab, cross, hook, uppercut, overhand. Yeah. And then, you know, footwork. But like the punches are all there's a very limited menu of punches. It's more like how do you trick someone into giving you like one of three punches? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to trick them. You have to trick and so I I think that's what's I think that's what's really creative about 
um, about martial arts, especially about wrestling and, and jujitsu, of course. And then, and then boxing too is like, you're just, you have to trick your opponent. You have to make them give you the momentum that you need to execute the move. And so, you know, I, I've, I'm accused a lot of being like really strong on the mat, like really heavy. And it's like, well, I mean, I wish you could appreciate how I'm tricking you into going this direction yeah, and then I'm taking you that direction, you know? like Maybe it's just because I'm very big, but I don't think that you're heavy. I think that you're very good at going, yeah. like, you give me a tiny window and I go for it. And then I go, oh, shit, he wants me to take that window and now I'm on my back or now you have my Yeah, back. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very simple one. What yeah. did you want to be when you grow up? When I, when you grew up, when I, I was a little no, kid, I, I wanted no, to be a man, boxing. I had master. no idea, man. You had no I idea. Didn't, you didn't, you didn't have issue. like a ridiculous dream of like, oh, no, I, want to play I, the really, I really didn't, man. I kind of just, uh, you know, as I as I get older, I realize that I better start planning shit out, man. Like, I still haven't gotten there. I'm yeah, older than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I just, I, you know, I kind of, you know, I don't think that. Um, I look at my family, like I look at my family structure and this isn't to lay blame on anybody. It's like, I, I think we're all great, but like, um, you, you know, my, the folks that I, I don't know. Cause we're all immigrants, man. We're all immigrants. We're all just hopping from job to job, mm -hmm. you know, like my mom certainly didn't want to fucking grow up to be winding copper around to be winding copper around fucking magnets to make the little motors that they put into the buzzing machines next to your hospital bed that's just what she did to fucking just pay the bills to pay the bills you yeah. know and then she wound up dating a guy who helped her kind of get on her feet and then she started doing some like freelance journalism and that kind of led to, you know i mean but that's what i saw was just like she was like on this little archipelago then she hopped to that one then mm -hmm. she hopped to this one then she hopped to that one so that's sort of how you view you know, like that's just sort of how i viewed yeah, this oh you know, this is what you do as an adult yeah yeah, yeah. you know and then like my you know my dad was the same was the same way although he was always a little bit more focused strictly on journalism, but I mean, these fucking papers started shutting down in 99. They started shutting yeah. down. So the whole time I've, you know, I've seen my dad's professional development. He's by the way, I'm tremendously proud of my father. He's the editor in chief for the LA times in, in Spanish and Espanol. Oh, awesome. uh, yeah. Um, Alejandro I like to say he's the last, he's the last guy with a good gig in, in journalism. Cause you know, those Spanish outlet newspapers are, they're part of the only like part of the portfolio in, in these newspaper companies that's actually growing. You know, I mean, the Times is making record profits right now. They're just they had to just switch their business model. From, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, so yeah, I didn't really. I don't know what I didn't. You didn't even have a dream of just like I wanted to. You know, like I said, play baseball for the Yankees. I want to be Hulk Hogan, whatever the hell it was when you were a kid in the eighties. No, no, I just I wanted to. What did I want to do? I wanted to keep surfing. I wanted to keep grappling. I wanted to fight. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, that's kind of really probably, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, you know, it probably spoke a little bit to some poverty of mind. I, you know, I did say I wanted to be a writer and in a way I sort of am continuing to express myself editorially or, or artistically in this some, is, you know, yeah. in some way or another. Um, yeah, I guess you would say I wanted to be a writer of some sorts, but I probably wanted to do more like, uh, like nonfiction essay writing. Okay. I just never really, I just never really pursued that. But what turned you on to that? What made you? What made that cool to you? I mean, most people when they want to write, they either want to be a journalist, yeah, parents, or they want to be, you know, they want to write Harry Potter, like a novelist. Yeah, that's for pussies. Be a fucking man. Steinway, Steinbeck. Then. No, no, you know, um, um, I was really influenced by Richard, um, Richard Rodriguez. He wrote uh, Brown: The Last Discovery of America and Hunger of Memory. Okay. And he was this like, um, 
you know, fuck today. I mean, today they would probably cast him, you know, today they would probably treat him like Jordan Peterson or Milo Yiannopoulos. Like today he wouldn't really? be, yeah, he wouldn't be, he probably, he wouldn't be an ally of, the, of he wouldn't be considered an ally of people of color, you know, mm. by the people who fucking decide who an ally is and who isn't. But he was a first generation Mexican-American, you know, Catholic, gay um, Ooh, that's a rough one. Yeah, yeah, you know, but he kept, back then now different. Yeah, yeah, you know, ca- you know, Catholic gay scholar. Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't deny couldn't deny his identity, but he also couldn't deny his faith. Yeah, right. And how and do so, you work those? Well, two? How do you work those two? And so he wrote a lot of he wrote a lot of and you know and then he had like he had like really I think antiquated views on you know on urban culture and hip hop and. Mm-hmm. Um, this is written in the 80s 90s yeah you know late 90s early thousands early 2000s um but you know he wrote hunger of memory was sort of about like taking on um sort of finding finding education as a pathway to to upward mobility in in america you know um and sort of like as he starts going through the upper crust of society how he gets sort of exoticized by the people that he's at cocktail parties with and shit like that. Oh, like, hey, we've got, we've, we've got, got a guy, we've got, we've got a gay, gay Mexican, we've got a gay Mexican, come on, cool? yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, kind of like that bullshit. Almost a like, fetishization, yeah, yeah, sense. fetishization of identity, yeah. which is why I think fetishization of identity is not a good thing in general. I don't think anyone would think it's well, a good I don't think people idea. who celebrate people for their identity are, are kind of doing that, right? It's like, oh, they're so fabulous, they're a black woman, or oh, they're so fabulous, they're like a gay Latino, or oh, they're so fabulous, they're like a this, you know, specific identity identity category. Like I think that's in one way or another, you know, fetishizing people's identities. I can I, definitely I, see that point. Yeah. You know, um, but so he wrote a f- series of essays, sort of talking about, you know, access to education, access to opportunity, kind of penetrating the upper crust of American society, and sort of like lessons learned and takeaways. And he, you know, he took on the teachers' unions, you know, which is kind of like the third rail, you know. Yeah, we don't. Um, but especially yeah, in California. Yeah, especially in California. But I mean, he, you know, he made a lot of sense to me. I mean, for me, you know, for me, I remember. You know, this is one great thing that my mom did. I remember when they were taking me to Crown Point Elementary School, mm-hmm. which is now, which is now closed for lack of attendance. Um, they, you know, they're kind of like, oh, you're Gibran Maciel, Norma de la Vega's mom. You're in the ESL class, English as a second mm-hmm. language. And my mom, and they put me in there for like a week. And my mom's kind of like, you know, she was all mad. My mom, and she would make me sit down and read for two hours, you know, like every day. Um, so she's like, all right, what are you doing in school? Let me see. And she's just like pulling out the English as a second language books. And she's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, you know, you're, like, you're good. You don't yeah. know that shit. She's like, yeah. what? You know, what the fuck is this? We taught you English when you came to, we taught you English. Like, you know, you know English. Why yeah, are you this, in this is school? old hat. You're good. Yeah. And um, so, you know, she took me with her to the administration office. And they're like, yeah, you know, but we need more kids from that class or we lose the funding. And she, uh, she, yeah. she raised hell, man. She raised hell. But, you know, like. That's what you know. So God forbid you lay a teacher off, you know. And said you got you got to hold the kid back, right? Um, and, and you know, and I get I'm, I'm talking. Everyone's just talking through their own experiences. So of course. So you know, she lobbied for me. She was my greatest education advocate, and so kind of like that experience and others sort of really, really made me really interested in the works of uh, uh, Richard Rodriguez. Brown, the last dis- Brown, the last discovery of America was sort of like this. So you like, you like this guy, and you're like, "Hey, I kind of want to implement that." You have it. You, you, yeah. You're reading him. You get that hero worship that happens to a young man. Yeah, like, yeah, is- yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I never really worshipped him, worshipped him as a hero because, like, he seemed like really flawed through a lot of his writing. But I thought it was just really interesting how you could like 
pull a thread out and be like, okay, I'm really interested in exploring this and just kind of, you know, and spur discussion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, so like podcasts, right? Podcasts in general, you got Sacktown Talks and you got the BJJ podcast we're on currently. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what got you started with this idea? I mean, was it a wild hair? Was Joe Rogan an inspiration? I'm willing to bet it was Joe Rogan. Yeah, but like, yeah. what was the reason to to do this? And and what was the idea for this, the the BJJ podcast to start? Uh, and then I've got a follow up question for Sackdown. Sure. Um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely Joe Rogan. Um, I mean, part of it was Joe Rogan, and then part of it was just also what I what I think I understand about the changing models and mass communication and changing models in, in entertainment and how we're talking to each other. And I think that's partly influenced through my father and his newspaper work. Um, what I understand about, you know, mass communications in Latin America and in politics down there and the intense polarization that's going on over there. Happened the same as it does up here? Where? Well, I mean, it's, it predates what's going on here. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mexico has been, you know, the, you know, factions. they've had their Fox News and their MSNBC for years. Yeah, just factions and factions in American intelligentsia have been at each other's throat for because you know that's a country that never really stabilized. Yeah, you know, um, so you know you kind of take a look at those models and in my view, and you say, well, gosh, these are, you know, at a very high level, groups of people in social, political, economic enclaves that are just getting their news in different places and they live in a different world. They live in different worlds, right? Um, if you sort of like were to take that that big mosaic and kind of break it down really granularly, which is what um, YouTube and these other mm-hmm. communication platforms are letting us do, is that where those big sort of like talking spheres, where those big spheres of influence were really previously reserved only for large groups of people, like large political factions mm-hmm. to kind of create their own... Large money interest. Oh, yeah. Large money interest. Now we can all do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually viable for the first time to take a a grappling community and say, hey, you know, I'm interested. I'll bet you like the, and this is part, of, and this is the, the personal thing that got me interested. It was like, you know, the, one of the biggest rewards in grappling for me has just been like the people that I've met and the stories that I've been exposed totally. to and the, and the diversity of, the diversity of personalities is as rich as the, the diversity of techniques, right? I, I was saying to my, my, my girlfriend, I was like, it's really hard to make friends in your thirties. Like I've already got my friends. I'm good. I don't need to know yeah, anyone people else. People get married off, and yeah. yeah. And then now I'm like, oh, I've got this whole new group of people that are cool that I can hang out with that are exposing me to different thoughts and different, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I also think that um, you know when I and I was just kind of thinking about this it was always kind of in the back of my head. Um, you know when you um, when you when you wanted to put out a, a piece of music in the past, you kind of had to go through all these like third-party validators yeah. you know the ar man and you have the label and all that yeah. yeah you know and those people really kind of controlled the not only like the purse strings of the industry but sort of they were like the like the designated validators yeah they're gatekeepers yeah yeah and they're all kind of they're all kind of fallen behind and i think that we're all sort of like living in this really democratic space where you know if it's it's really again egalitarian like wrestling you know if you put some love into it if you put some time and some effort into it and maybe you're a little bit talented to begin with it can kind of turn into something you know mm-hmm. um so i think that that's the that was the original impetus for us like i think that there's i think i mean long term i'll be honest i think there's money in it long term sure. you know yeah. but um I also just enjoy myself doing it i've also just i'm curious about people yeah. you know and um you know when i when i want to get together with my friends I don't know, you know, let's go to a concert. I don't give a shit. Let's go watch a movie. I don't give a shit, you know, 
you know, movies nowadays are stupid. They play the music too loud at concerts. You're definitely in your thirties. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of always been like that though. But yeah. you know, it's just kind of like, I want to talk. I want to sit down with, a, with a bottle of wine yep. and just talk, you yep. know? My favorite thing. I used to remember when you were a kid and you would like, you'd be playing around, you know, you'd go to a friend's house for a party and the adults would be, they just sit in the kitchen and talk. Yeah. You're like adults are so boring. They never play and we're running around playing tag. Yeah, and now all I want to do is sit in the kitchen and, and talk, talk to my friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all I want. Turns out they had it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that's kind of, that was my, that was my idea for it. Um, what else? Um, can I ask you my set? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I, years ago, I listened to this story on NPR and they were saying how, you know, print journalism is a failing and, you know, we got to figure out a way to uh, monetize uh, print journalism. You know, New York Times has figured that out. Other companies have figured that out with the pseudo subscription model, you know, five articles a month for free. And then you got to pay. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. One of the things that NPR was talking about doing was doing hyper local news. Like we're just talking about your neighborhood and and what's impacting exactly where you are. And maybe yeah. you can get people in, for instance, Sacramento to, to buy into that. Was that sort of the idea of that? Like if we go hyper local and you have some connections to be able to talk to people or was this just, hey, I've got the studio. I'm already doing the grappling podcast. Let me try, you know. I, I live here and let me see if I can get something going with the, you know, the Sacramento movers and shakers, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I thought the movers and shakers for Sacktown talks would be, you know, th this town is not short on people who think they are movers and shakers. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> this town is not short on, you know, school board candidates and planning mm -hmm. commissioners. That's well, a government town, right? Yeah. It's a government town. Um, but you know, I, I say that kind of tongue in cheek because, you know, there there are just really interesting questions of policy and how we sort of, um, you know, I feel like we're, you, know, you remember like Ben-Hur and they're all like rowing at the bottom of the boat, mm -hmm. you know, and it turns out the boat can only go in one direction. And I feel like as we all become better informed, we're all becoming, we're all like protesting a little bit more about the direction of the boat. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's kind of like. You know, well, the, the boat's going in a direction that I don't like, so I'm going to stop rowing. It's like, no, everyone's got to row together, and you know, like we'll have elections, and we'll kind of figure out which way the which way we're rowing. But in the meantime, everyone's, everyone, yeah, in the meantime, everyone's got to row. You know, uh, yeah, so I just kind of felt that like there's really interesting questions. I've always been interested in policy and politics and in communications, and I think that there's really interesting questions in you know whether it's in in hyper local in hyper local Sacramento happenings, which I think are cool too, art, culture, whatever. But also just like the incredible richness of like policy and communications and um, and political mm -hmm. and, and political talent that we have here and just sort of like picking people's brains, you know, um, kind of like a different world than than life in jujitsu. But nonetheless, um, I think just as enriching, you know, it's always been for me, it's been, you know, my professional endeavors, my career, you know, eight to five, five thirty, you know home to get my gi six o'clock i'm on the mat till about nine you know stay afterwards and drill a little bit then lift some weights come home rinse repeat do that again mm -hmm. uh, the downside is you never go to school and get your law degree fair <laughs> you know because yeah. you know, or, or whatever it is that you're gonna do yeah um but it's always kind of been like you know when you're surfing you're you can't tell if you look at just the water you don't know where you are because there's no fixed point on the water. Yeah, you got to look back. You got to look on land, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm in front of that house. Yeah, you could slowly be. Yeah, exactly. I got to paddle back in front of that house. So, for me, like, when I was when I was in my professional, when I was, like, working, you know, in the state assembly or wherever, grappling was sort of like that house on land that I looked at. It's like, yeah, okay, like. Back to that center, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm not doing so well at work. Maybe I'm struggling. Or I'm doing really well, whatever it is. 
but here I am also not, I'm struggling at grappling too, or I'm doing really well at grappling. So maybe I'm doing good at one and doing not so good at the other. So I can kind of like find that balance, you know, um, as opposed to just having all my eggs in one basket. So I don't know, like I, I just always felt like they were kind of like dual pursuits and they're kind of like just like reflect the, you know, the, the two main areas of interest, I think, for me. Yeah. It's, your, it's your two points, yeah. Yeah. So you come up in San Diego, you go to Chico for college, you go down to San Diego again, you work on uh, assembly men's campaign, and that brings you up here to work professionally. Yeah, what no, so the, after uh, after college, I took an internship, the uh, the Justin Rue assembly internship. Okay. So anyone that's... Um, Anyone that's interested in public service and working in the state legislature, the state, yeah, you know, the state assembly, the state senate, the, the executive branch, I recommend the you know the California uh, uh, the California State Assembly, the California State Senate fellowships. It's basically it's like a eleven month uh, paid you know fellowship or internship, whatever you want to call it. You get just enough to live in Midtown, maybe have a roommate, but um, you get to pick your policy interests and oh, then cool. find. Uh, and they all members want a fellow because it's free, validated, smart labor. Yeah. So, like, basically, all the members are are in the pool for hey, I want a fellow. And if you and want then, guns, you get guns. If you want farm, you get farm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I worked you for get a self-selecting group. That's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, that's it's really, really cool. cool. I mean, you know, probably like a twenty to twenty-five percent of the people that work in the legislature right now are, are you know uh, alumni of the fellowship. Very cool. So I did that, and then after the fellowship, I um, I went down to work for for Tony Atkins in her field office, which is sort of like you know they all have two offices, one in the one yeah. in the Capitol and one in the field. So I was in her field office for a year, okay. and then I came back up. So she, you leave San Diego, like, and you go from a military beach town, you know, kind of laid back to this small agricultural government town. How big of a transition? How hard of a transition was that for you? And then like. You're a surfer. You love surfing. Mm -hmm. How hard was it being that far from the beach? And the beaches here aren't exactly surf beaches. Yeah, actually. So, you know, what's interesting is the um, Southern California is considered one of the safest places in the world to surf. Mm -hmm. Northern California is considered one of the most dangerous places yeah, in sure. the world to surf. So Southern California, you have like a sandy bottom that tapers gently off into the sea. Northern California, we have these jagged cliffs. Yeah, rocks. Well, the continental shelf drops right off. Yeah. So when you, you know, you could be a hundred yards out and you're in, you're in open ocean. Mm -hmm. And so you better know how to swim because you got open ocean currents. Mm -hmm. Um, also you got rocks on the bottom, which aren't, you know, that, that was never as scary to me as, as much as the fact that like you're in open ocean waters and you can just feel, you can just feel that you can feel the current pulling you that mm -hmm. much harder. Um, so what's that transition? Yeah, the transition, tra the transition was tough, man. The transition was, the transition was tough. Um, God, how did I keep my, my time occupied? I, you know, I took a lot of pleasure in my job, mm -hmm. uh, but in a lot of ways, it was probably a blessing that there weren't a lot of distractions because, you know, probably a good, you know, five years, you know, six years was just nothing but work, nothing but jujitsu. Yeah. You know, I mean, some social callings here and there, you know, but just work, jujitsu, Haley, that's it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel like I developed my, I developed my skill set professionally and I developed sort of my, I think, a, a you know, a good, a sophisticated knowledge of California politics, policy, and communications principles, um, you know, eth ethnic and minority outreach, and how to frame issues. And I also developed, like, a really sophisticated knowledge of, of jiu-jitsu, you know, and I, and, you know, and, and I met my wife. So, I mean, I mean, like, good things came of it, but it was hard, man. Like, I just had my nose down, and I just did 
It's so it's like, I'm not going to get homesick. I'm, I don't care that I'm in a new town. I'm focusing on these two endeavors and I'm hitting them hard. Yeah. It was sort of how uh, you yeah, that was it. Yeah. And you know what? And, uh, you know, like before I really matured as a grappler and realized that I just like it just to like it, mm-hmm. I didn't even really know I was showing up. I just, it was just kind of something I was doing to keep me sane. Yeah. I still don't know why. I show. It's like, why do you do this? Like, I don't know. I, I, I show up and get beat up. Yeah. Why the hell do you keep coming back? I don't know. It's fun, I guess. Right. Like, yeah. It's a very strange thing. Uh, so... You uh you opened up uh, ESAC BJJ, and personally like like when I'm rolling at at, at the gym, um, yeah, and and you know Dustin will be showing a move, I'll get that move down, and I'm like I'm good, I'm good. And the minute coach walks by, I freak out and can't, I don't know where my hand goes, and I get all nervous that like yeah. Dustin's gonna think like oh I don't know what I'm doing or I'm not listening or I'm screw whatever. I just get up all in my own head. Did you ever have that as a grappler? And do you see that in your point of view? Did you did you ever have that as a grappler? And if you did, how'd you overcome it? And then, do you see that in your students at ESAC BJJ? Do huh. they get nervous around you? That's a good. That's a good question. Um, wow. Yeah, I think at first I had that as I. I think at first everyone has that a little bit, right? Probably through. I mean, even today, I'll be like, even today, I'll be like, hey, is this is this okay? Is this right? Like, I hope I'm doing this right. He just showed this. I don't want to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I feel like as you know, there's a thing that happens as you get. At least to me, you know, to me, there's a thing that happens as as you mature as a grappler, you realize that the, what you're being shown in in curriculum is like a menu of options and that there's slight derivations and slight, like, you know, nuances to, or, or there's just, there's just variations, you know, and that your variation might be different. How you do it might be different. That's not to say that superior technique doesn't, doesn't exist. It's not to say that like one one person's technique isn't cleaner than another, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, um, when someone like we're off, I think really high level grapplers are oftentimes building arm bars or building triangles where they find them instead of just like doing like a catalog of moves like, oh, now like I'm in this position. Now I can go to this. Like, That's I don't exactly think what I'm doing. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, it's I'm like, inside, oh. do this. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. 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 I think it's more like, oh, this is what's presented to me. Mm-hmm. Let me build an arm bar here, or this is what's presented to me. Let me see if I can wedge his arm off of his torso and and start to manipulate that in some manner, and then I'll see what's presented to me there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that you know when you get sophisticated enough, grappling becomes like a language, and then you're just kind of like, okay, maybe I didn't get this move perfectly right. Maybe my hips just don't want to open up that way. Maybe I'm not quite understanding the the angle of the footwork that I need here today. But that's okay. I have like a large panoply of techniques and I get the basic like underlying structure of why this would be a good. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm not going to get this, like I'll, I'll be okay. Like I, I have these other tools to rely on. But yeah, I mean, you still get disappointed when someone doesn't, we you know when you, when your sensei just taught you something and then you're like, oh fuck, I think I fucked this up. For so sure. that never goes away. I mean, you're a brown belt. I'm a blue belt. You know, I got a long way until I'm even remotely close to your level. Does it get better? <laughs> yeah, it gets, I mean, for me, like if, God, if I'm going to be honest, it gets better in the sense that there's less and less moves that you're fucking up. Sure. You there's get a little more confidence in what you're doing. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. There's less and less moves in that you're, fu- I mean, I, th- I feel like I'm at a point right now where it's like, you could, you could show me something and I can, I can, I can probably recreate it in, in a static setting. Mm-hmm. No problem. You, you, you probably only need to show it to me once and I can recreate it, you know? Um, so I think that's really how it gets better. It's like. Oh, I, I got I got this because I've seen it before and I've done it before, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So, so you're out of your head. Yeah. A little more. What do you see that with your students? Do you see them? Yeah. Going, yeah. Oh, I God, wish coach my coach is coming by and I'm getting kind of nervous about throwing up this triangle incorrectly. Yeah. Or... Yeah. I mean, you know, and let me just say something about the last point. Like sure. what's going to make me better isn't, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm at a point, probably other brown belts are at a point where a new diversity of moves, like once you've kind of gone, if you, if jujitsu is like a sphere mm-hmm. and you've kind of traveled the sphere four times and that's your brown belt, you know, you're like on that fifth time that you travel the sphere for your black belt. Like, it's not like you're going to, you're going to pick up a better understanding of all the moves, but you might not pick up like that many new moves. Right. So I'm not sure that like a, like a new catalog of moves is what I'm missing to like get to the next level. It's probably just like closing, getting rid of dead space, getting rid of dead time, um, being more efficient in my movement, probably being better physically conditioned, um, being a little bit smoother in my movements, like all these like really like granular things mm-hmm. like is what I'm missing. You got to hyper focus on certain aspects, not the Yeah, just uh, just on really granular, on really granular movements. I don't think like, I'm not like missing a De La Hiva. You right. know what I'm saying? It's with regards to my students, yes. Like I wish, everyone's too nervous when they're starting out jujitsu. Like everyone's way too nervous. I'm like, the biggest thing that I that I tell people is like you can't learn to swim when you're drowning. Right. So don't just, panic. Just don't panic. Relax. Yeah. Breathe. You know, have have a good time and just kind of just kind of roll with it. You know, I mean, like your instructor is here for you to fuck it up. Right. That's why you're paying me, is so that I yeah. Yeah, that's why you're paying exactly. You know, but more more than anything, it's kind of like I see people kind of getting excited. <laughs> I see you know, and we all do. It's like oh no, and now I'm gonna push the arm back, mm-hmm. and, and and now I'm gonna throw my leg over, and now I'm gonna close it up, and then you're kind of like you you can watch. everything's ten. Yeah, you can watch their cheeks like turn into a whoopee cushion, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of. You know, it's just like, all right, like you need to, you know, and I, you know, one of the questions that I'm really interested in, in instruction, like one of the, one of the sort of like the, the pillars of, of my existence as an instructor is I think there's like a good, I mean, for a lot of, for me, it was about 18 months okay. of like freak out where I'm just like freaking out for the first 18 months. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, how do I get those 18 months of freak out? Can I re- like, what can I do in terms of creating an, an inclusive environment in terms of explaining the the metaphorical substrate of jujitsu, in terms of like you know not just explaining moves, but explaining you know principles of leverage and architecture of your bones, mm-hmm. well, especially get, to people that never wrestle. Yeah, or anything. yeah. Principles of breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, can I get that freak out period down to three months? That would be awesome if you That'd could. Be awesome. You'd yeah. be an amazing instructor. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think that's you know that's that's what I'm interested in. Is like I feel like there's man, there's so much focus on like all these like really granular, all these really granular aspects of technique, you know, grab the shin, not the toe when you close up the triangle, mm-hmm. you know, now you're going to move here. Now you're going to put your hand exactly on this place on the lapel. I think that's good. That's important. But there is this huge, I think, body of opportunity in sort of like, how do we, how do we take that first developmental stage? I'll bet you we can truncate it. I'll bet you we can do a better job with that. And that's what I'm interested in. I think that'd probably keep a lot of people from quitting too. I yeah. mean, if you don't get that, that, that everyone spazzes out. I mean, hell, I still do, but yeah. like people, people, if you could cut that out, I'm willing to bet more people would stick with the sport yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's just, I mean, spazzing out, just you gas and then <laughs> you get put in whatever position your opponent wants yeah. to put you in. And it's even worse. And yeah. it's even worse than it would have been if you hadn't spazzed. Yeah. If you just chill, calm. I mean, the first time I rolled with you, you had knee on belly and I'm like, oh God. And you're like, you're fine here. Just breathe. I know yeah, it hurts. Get to your side. Yeah. yeah. Everything's fine. Everything, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, what do you do for fun outside of jujitsu and you know podcasts? I mean, I know you just hiked Half Dome. You're going to Croatia. Like, what's what's you know? Um. Yeah. Good question. You want half of this? Kill it. 
Um, Half Dome was not fun. Half Dome's awesome. Yeah, never mind. That was not fun. Um, it, it was Haley's idea. It was a bucket list thing. Sure. Um, I did that my freshman year of high school, and I don't think I could do it. Now. Did you do it in one day? Yeah. No, no, no. We 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 hiked up in the morning, camped in the saddle, and then hiked up to see the sunrise. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then came back down. Then came back down, and my shoe got torn off the sole, and I had to hike. What it's probably twelve hours, eight hours. Well, eight. Hours. I can't remember how long Barefoot? it was. Uh, no, but just with like a floppy. My foot was bleeding by the end of it. It was hell. Half Dome was intense, man. I remember we're going up. We started at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we just had this like, we had our cell phone light. Oh, that's safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we Did had you the... get to the Mist Trail at night? No, we went up the John Muir Trail. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I remember just being super worried about a bear. Sure. You know. Um. It was Haley. Haley gets these like little micro obsessions and they're not over till they're over. Like until she's like kind of checked that off the list. So she had half dome in mind and I'm really glad that we did it. Like the, like the memories will stay with me forever. You Mm -hmm. know, even though it sucked, it was good that it sucked. Yeah. As I get farther away from it, the memories are more fond. Oh, that's how it works. Yeah. 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 You know, um, we just got a boat. We got an Axis A22, uh, wake, uh, wakeboard boat. And I think you can surf it too. We still have to figure out like how we can, um, you know, optimize the balance for a surf wave, which is what I'm really interested in. It's like creating like a little, like a, you know, wake surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sacramento river culture is just really cool. Did you know it is illegal to pass up somebody in distress, in distress in the water? I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah. So it's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. So I just don't like that. We have to make a freaking law to do that. And you've human, be- human decency should just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, most I think most people don't know that there's a lot. Like, if you have, if you show any signal of trouble, people will come get you. That's you know, awesome. We um, we ran over our propeller. We ran over our our propeller yeah. ran over our Dream anchor line. line. Yeah, and so we the propeller automatically shuts off to mm-hmm. avoid further damage to the to to the vehicle or to the you know to the to the propeller and to the engine mm-hmm. when you do that. So we had to get towed into into dock, and the first boat that passed us up, they're like, hey, what's up, man? What's up? Hey, let's tow you. You know, yeah. they're towing us with an anchor dragging across the water. You know, and, awesome. you know, for like, for like a mile almost, you know, which is, you know, a tremendous cost to them, you know, like that's, that's, yeah. you know, it's not cheap to, to burn that kind of fuel. Um, and then everyone who was at the dock was like trying to help us out, you of know? Course. So that's what I think is cool about, about river culture is like, everyone's just out there kind of like, we're all sort of children of God playing in Eden's garden, you know, like anytime you're in the woods, you're hiking, you're hunting, whatever, like you realize like, Hey, it, we're one accident away from getting screwed over. So you could see your worst enemy and it's like, Hey, let's, hey, what can you I do for you? let's get you out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, what else do I do for fun? Um, I just like to drink and raise hell with my friends. Yeah. No, <laughs> man. Like, you know, um, no, last podcast you saw, called yourself a degenerate degenerate. Like, yeah. I like this guy. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're doing, we do, we do a lot of traveling. Um, I'm really interested in, um, you know, I don't even really like planning it. As, you know, Haley get, Haley's one of these people. She gets more pleasure planning the trip than the actual trip. God. She loves planning. She loves it. I kind of just like daydreaming about it. Sure, yeah. Oh, <laughs> one know? day that'd be nice. Yeah, we'll figure it out know, when we like, get there. Yeah, like, oh, it's two weeks away. And I, you know, I still yeah. haven't even planned anything. But, um, I like, you know, I like thinking about places that I want to go and kind of like figuring out, like, you know, just talking to Haley, like, all right, how can we make this happen? So I think next year we're going to do the American South. Okay. I want to see the whole thing. You know? I always wanted to just, I always wanted to fly into New Orleans, rent a car, do Mississippi, uh, in the, do Nashville and Memphis. And yeah. Like, my, my father, he was in the Navy for years. And so he's like, the, the South, uh, 
is the most beautiful part of this country, that in the Rockies. He says. Yeah, so I've yeah. Always wanted to see. Yeah, this Savannah, Georgia is supposed to be super fucking pretty. So yeah. I want to go see that. Um, what you know? What else? I don't know. Just like social little social callings with my friends. I like to host here. Um, it's a, it's a good space for hosting. Um, what else? What else? You know, I wish I was more into reading. It's just I, that's. In, uh, I mean, I you're a rather erudite person. I assume yeah. you read. I just listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read, I, you know, I read short form. I have no problem. Like I, you know, the economist I pick up regularly, yeah. but, um, like long, long books. I'm just, you know, I probably should for my brain chemistry. So it's just probably good to put the, the yeah, phone you away. gotta read, man. What do you do? Yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I read online a lot. I read articles a lot, but, um, I really, you know, let me make that a commitment to myself now. I like it. <laughs> you know, to, to, to read more long form content. All right. What else you got for me? Uh, so actually, this is a pretty good transition from talk. Like when you were on the podcast with Liz, um, you were talking about your wife, and it was really like inspiring and, and like it was really like sweet and heartfelt. Because I mean, I know you, mm-hmm. I know you love her and and all of that. But like, I see you at the gym, and you're you know, you're this bad grappling motherfucker, you know, yeah. knows the shit. But then you're like this total softy about your wife, and it, and it's really cute. And as a man who's been terrified of marriage for the better part of thirty years, sure, like, sure. Wh- what did you, when did you know that you wanted to marry her? When did you go like, you know what, dude, this is the one man, you know, I've done my, I've done my dating and I'm like, no, this is it. And was there a moment? Was it a gradual progression? It was more of a gradual progression. You know, I kind of just, we had gone to like last summer, I think we'd gone to like three or four weddings mm-hmm. and I think they're all stupid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And yet you had one. <laughs> yeah, we had one, but you know, we went to, we went to one wedding that was like a display of wealth by inheritors of wealth. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just kind of tacky. And, um, I, I don't know. We just kept going to these weddings. So I was like, yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is, this, this is a girl, you know, this was, you know, we got to a point, um, it was after she moved in. She, she was like, you need to grow up and we'll either, I'm either going to move in or we'll stop dating. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, fine. What do I do? Fine. Fuck. Move in. God yeah. damn it. Uh. And, um, you know, I have a buddy of mine, you know, I won't say his name. Um, cause he listens to the podcast. I have a buddy of mine. He's, I don't know. I just, I think about him and like, he's when he, when we make plans, if it's not how he envisioned the plans, he just, he won't go, mm-hmm. you know, um, he'll drop by the house. Like, he, like he'll never ride with you somewhere cause he doesn't want to give up his car and his freedom. Interesting. You know, he'll have okay. to pick you up, you mm-hmm. know, or like if he drops, he's setting the terms, he's setting the terms. And, um, I'm just saying to myself, like, man, he's he's made to be alone. And I think he's actually very happy being alone. Yes, um, but um you, you know, I, I always kinda I, I you know, I always kinda like the idea of having a best friend or companionship. And I was kind of, you know, for a really long time just kind of searching for something better. I think mostly because that's what I'd seen the men in my family do. Okay. Instead of just stopping and appreciating, you know, and you know, to Haley's credit, she she put me, you know, she she sat me down one time and she's like, you know what your problem is, Jabron? You know what your problem is, Jabron? Your problem is that you never fucking changed from when I met you at 23. You never grew up. You've known her since you were 23? Yeah. Damn. I met her, you know, eight years. I was 31. So I was like, oh, damn. So, you know, she moved in and I was like really trepidatious about it at first. Like, oh, God damn, this is my space. You know, this is, I like having my space, you know. Sure. Um. So one one thing that we did to redefine it was I, I threw because she was moving into my house, um, and it's our house now. But 
I just threw out all my furniture and she brought in her furniture. So it felt a little bit more like her space. Yeah. Nice. You know? Yeah. And so she's, you know, and then she does like little things to civilize you, you know, like I think oftentimes men, we don't even realize how we're being brutes. Sure. We don't even realize how we're being savages. You know what I mean? Like not a problem I have, but I've heard this from real men. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean just like little things like she was, um, she was taking like her, like her, um, sweatshirt. Mm Mm-hmm. And she like put her hand like into the cloth in her sweatshirt and she wiped away something on her face. And she looked funny doing it like this, mm-hmm. you know, like with like her sweatshirt. She was kind of like doing like this. And I was like, why are you doing that? And she's like, you know, I just went to the bathroom and I got to wipe this thing off my face. Like, I'm not do- going to do it with my hand. Like, I've been touching shit all day with my hands. You want me to just touch my face? What do you like, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I think we were. I think we were at the airport or something. <laughs> you know, she's like, I've been touching all this stuff at the airport. You want me to just touch my face? No way. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't think about that at all. I was like, I don't think about. I've that. never thought about I don't that. Think once. About that at all. Thirty-one <laughs> years, not no, come no, up. It's never come up. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like, like over and over and over again. Like we went to this class, and uh, we went to this like um, class at FITM, the Fashion Institute mm-hmm. of Design, in San Francisco, and uh, we were, had to, we had to make this like skirt. You know, it was five hours to make a fucking skirt. Yeah. yeah. Like you got to outline it. You got to cut out the outline. You got to get, you got to pick out your fabric. You got, I mean, it's really hard, man. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she's a scientist, man. She just, just method, man. She just followed her method. She just followed the instructions. She thought about everything very carefully. She thought twice, measured twice, cut once. Her skirt looked like a fucking skirt, man. It turned Just out like, perfect. Yeah, dude. I was like, I rage quit like three times. Sure. Thought, you know, and it's just like over time, you just realize like women really are the fairer sex. Like, you know, we're not, we're not the same and that's a good thing. Like we're complementary to each other, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's, um, I think a lot of like modern thinkers demand that we think of ourselves as the same. And that's like, we're not the same. Like I, I know Haley and I are not the same, Yeah. you know? Um, and she's better than me, <laughs> you know, she compliments me in a lot of ways and I'm still trying to figure out how, I, how exactly I compliment her because all I, like all so I, she, trust me. <laughs> all I, yeah, no, seriously, all I can really seem to do is like, I'm good for about, you know, 300 pounds of lifting power. Do you need yeah. to lift something under 300 pounds? If yes, then push. You're the a Jeep. You're made to push, push and the pull shit. button. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, like, uh, you know, like, uh, and I, and I'm a better cook and I'm like, she, her family doesn't really like to season their cooking. That's odd. That's yeah. how one cooks, other than that's the heat very to... basis of flavor, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So, that's, so I, mean... I can I can lift heavy shit, and I and I'm the better cook. But other than that, like just in in every measurable, you know, she's more educated. She's I mean, just everything. Like you 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 know, you realize over time. It's and it's been a really calming thing. Is like, you know, we and I, and I think a lot of people don't even don't even realize, and I certainly didn't realize. And maybe I'm kind of looking at it through my own lens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like Haley and I, we just went out for like a little day. We went to Lowbrow and then we went to Cupro's for a couple of beers, right? We went to Lowbrow and we're kind of, there's like a long, you know, bench like this, you know, and we're kind of sitting at the end. And there's this group of like, you know, 23, 24 year olds, you know, adult, you know, basically adolescents with a credit card. Sure. And they're just talking like these two girls are like meeting each other for the first time and they're just like having the most basic conversation like oh maybe we'll be best friends like they're like you could see like their conversation was like so infused with hope that their friendship might take off and become something meaningful but also kind of like embedded with a little bit of a recognition that life pulls you in different directions and you know if we hang out we hang out it'd be great too Mm -hmm. if we don't we don't you know 
and everyone's just kind of talking. It's like, oh, do you like, you know, do you like, you know, do you like plaid? I love plaid, you know, just kind of very, very like, very, you know, they, they almost seemed not so much like friends as they seemed like people who didn't want to be alone together, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. um, you know, as I sat there with my wife, I was like, God, how nice is it to like actually have a best friend? Yeah, <laughs> to actually have a real have a, conversation. Actually real have a, like a best friend, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't have to like ask her what she's doing next week. She's fucking hanging out with me next week and I guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so no, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a lovely transition. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner except that I'm a jackass. Sure. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you, you know what? And I, it changes, it, it, it has to, it has to change. It changes your brain chemistry. Like it, I've just become more docile. My grappling's probably suffered because of it. <laughs> that is, there's no effing way that that's true. You know, no, but I mean, like, um, I don't, the regularity of like the, you know, um, the regularity of sex and companionship just kind of smooths out the rough edges, you know, just kind of, it makes you less mad at the world. I don't know. Like it just, um, I sleep better now. Um, there's a steadiness to it, you know, I mean, you almost talk about it like she's a drug. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's nice. Like, yeah. it's really nice. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not like as like, I'm not as like sexually excited as I am. Like, you know, trying to like get a 21 year old, you know, to go home with me and, you know, but that lasts for three hours, three minutes in my case. You know, but three, yes, yeah. sure. What? <laughs> you know, like, um, there's, you know, and then you can kind of, and then just also just like wonderful things happen when you. Wonderful things happen for you personally when you stop chasing the opposite sex and you just kind of focus on what you have. Like, not to say that you can kind of like neglect your relationship, but when you sort of know that that's stable and in place, you can fucking start a podcast or, you know, start, sure. you know what I mean? Like you can really start to like fulfill other aspects of yourself and so far as they are complementary to and sort of not detrimental to the the most important thing, which is, you know, the, the marriage. So um, marriage being the most important thing. And so you were working and... Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, how do you balance work, the gym, and your wife? Yeah. But it seems like you kind of found a silver bullet here with ESEC BJJ, where you're you're rolling with your wife, yeah. who, if she's very technical, measure twice, cut once, she's probably going to be a pretty good grappler in the jujitsu sense. But then you're going to you're trying to turn this into a full time business thing yeah. too. So it feels like you kind of found a silver bullet here with ESEC BJJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, let me um, let me let me get some of my bag wine. I'll answer that yeah, question. Get some bag wine. Okay. You good? Yeah. You know, you asked me earlier, like, when I wanted to, when I was a kid, what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, like, you know, maybe a writer, but there wasn't, like, a really, like, oh, I have to be this. But um, when I was, um, when I got embedded into my professional career in politics, I kind of always, probably around Blue Belt, I thought, yeah, okay, like, the you know, owning a gym will be my, my escape hatch. Like, nice. that'll be what I want. Like, that's what I think this is all leading to. For a number of reasons, I think that there's, I think owning a gym can be very lucrative, but I think you can also just do a lot of good, you know, like, you know, you can do a lot of good, um, you can do a lot of good as a fighter, you know, if you fight honorably or if you fight in a way that inspires people. Definitely. Um, I, you know, for me in terms of my, sort of my, my intellectual, like what I'm interested in, I'm interested in sort of like reforming the practice of martial arts. I think that there has been, you know, basically 2,000 years of bullshit. Bruce Lee. Yeah, two, yeah, two, yeah <laughs> two, no, I mean, 2,000 years of katas. Two, not mm -hmm. that katas are bad, but 2,000 years of, you know, 
you know, uh, cult mentality, 2000 years of hero worship, only about 20 years of, you know, scientific inquiry vis-a-vis mixed martial arts applied applied to the best practices of fighting. There used to be a martial arts was almost fetishized. It was almost, it was almost mythical in that, like, you know, the mysteries of the Orient that, you know, Oh, my master can beat your master and blah, blah, blah. And then it was really just a vehicle for tribalism. Oh, very much so. Yeah. No, I mean, no one's talking about Taekwondo being the shit anymore, but in Mm. the eighties, that was like, Oh, Taekwondo beats Kempo. Kempo beats this and blah, blah, you know, yeah. Yeah, Stupid. Now we, but we're we're working on solving that. Yeah. We're only 20 years into that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, for me, when I, um, I don't know, when I, when I started just looking into the, looking down the barrel of like, well, if you work 20 years for the state, you get your pension. <laughs> and as I saw people gain more professional success, so did I see the decline of the physical state of their body. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I thought that I didn't want that for myself. And, um, my last, my one of my one of my last assignments in uh, uh, now Congressman Jimmy Gomez back when he was a state representative. Mm-hmm. You know when he I was already you know I was a brown belt at the time and I was you know a pretty grapp- a pretty competent grappler. Yeah, competent grappler. Yeah, and um, you know when he he left in the middle of a cycle because he he went in an off cycle special election. Okay. So that kind of left me high and dry in the middle of the year with not a lot going on. So, you know, and, and my cousin had just killed himself and Haley and I were getting married and I kind of just, I just needed some time off. I just needed like a little sabbatical. So I didn't really look and it was okay because I, you know, I spent that time, it was funny at the time I didn't think I was being particularly productive as much as like, Hey, I need a break. Mm -hmm. And when I look back, I taught myself audio and audio, like low level audio engineering. Yeah, you learned a skill. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean like not just anyone can do this. Like, you know, anyone can do it if if they really apply themselves, but it took me, it took me a long time. So I thought I wasn't being productive, but, but I was um, actually being, I think enormously productive when I look back, I I learned a lot about, you know, just marketing a podcast and all these other things. So, um, but then I went back to work You know, I got recruited for this. I got recruited for this, you know, uh, you know, public affairs consulting, um, group, to sort of be like the point person on the account, mm-hmm. like the lead between uh, between the client account, the face of Imprenta Communications, and uh, sort of taking the broad directions. The bro, you know, I would come up with the broad creative direction and then kind of execute that um, with the support of my team. You know, you do this, you do that, you do this. I'll kind of develop the architecture of the framework of the campaign, and then sort of we all execute this, and then we present it to the client. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, you know, after I went back to, after I went back to it, I was just like, God, you know, I'd already, I'd taken six months off. I'd found like a real passion for, uh, I'd found a real passion for training twice a day, you know, in in my time off. I found a real passion for this podcast. Um, I did a little bit of stand-up comedy, which I thought was fun. Um, yeah, you know, I, I even flirted with some writing and, you know, I don't know, like I, I just, I, I went back to work sitting my ass down 40 hours a week in that chair. And I was just like, fuck, is there any way to avoid this? You always wanted to teach, you know, you're going to, what are you going to wait till you get your black belt? I mean, you can, but I mean, if you ask me, I, I think I'm, I think I'm qualified to teach, you know, mm-hmm. I know IBJJF or the Gracie's or whatever say black belt's mandatory. I've been grappling for 16 years, you know, eight, That's eight. That's also an antiquated idea, I think, much so. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, you know, I wrestled for eight years. I've been. I've been doing jujitsu for, and those were eight good years, man. Like, you know, the first three years were two a days, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
So I, I think I'm qualified to teach and in so far as I can maybe inspire others and maybe reform the practice of martial arts, maybe I can maybe maybe I can, you know, do something with this. So while I was still at Imprint, I just kind of I thought to myself, maybe I can find a traditional martial arts school to to sort of host me as I foster a nascent practice, mm-hmm. you know. And what do you know? The first one whose door I knocked on said, "Yeah, come on in." Yeah, come on in. We could use and you. the space is perfect. And uh, you know, I just give them a little bit of what I make, so they take their cut. Um, so our financial interests align, which mm-hmm. I think is really healthy. And um, I get to develop my run my own business and develop my own my own membership. You know, so it's ESAC BJJ, ESACBJJ.com. We're fifty seventh and Folsom. And, you know, this is what I say is like, you know, th- this is jujitsu for everybody. It's really important for me that we take a group of beginners. They're most everyone, mostly everyone that trains under me. They're all beginners. I didn't steal anybody's students. I didn't like court anyone else's students. They're all people that I knew that were, I think, sort of admired my own accomplishments in martial arts and mm-hmm. my own development. And they're like, hey, I think I'd like to do that too. Can I come learn under you? So they all know you. Is that a weird dynamic being a coach? That's having... a little weird, yeah. Because like, yeah. So like Jeremy, Jeremy Ostrich is like my friend. He's yeah. like my social friend. Yeah. You know, or like like Ashwin is like my social friend. Oh, Ashwin's. Yeah, Ashwin's one of my students. Nice. Yeah, but you know, like Ashwin wasn't gonna like, and that's one thing that I think is really important to to say. Like, you know, these aren't people that we're gonna sign up at another school. Right. You know, these are people. No, they're signing up because of you. They trust you. Yeah, feel yeah, comfortable yeah. And um, I, I just think it's like, I just want to say that because. You know, I've heard some grumblings about like, oh, another school or oh, another jujitsu school, you know, but there's a million and a half people in the Sacramento metropolitan area. There's just a handful of schools. There's enough room for everybody. If we're all just respectful, if we all just acknowledge that instead of fighting over, you know, the people who are already training, how about we go out there and get the new get, people get the new, and get yeah, the new people, blood. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Ashwin called me sir after one class, and I was like, oh yeah, hmm. oh easy, yeah, yeah we're, buddy, we're, we're gonna go have beers here in a minute. Yeah, we're buddies, you know. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, as long as he listens to me as a coach, you know, I don't know, you know, like um, I think I think we're good with regards to like your actual question. I guess what I was gonna say was, I knew that I wanted to teach. I just feel really passionate about the lessons that I learned of patience, perseverance. Um, and sort of like the the life lessons that have really revealed themselves to me through grappling. After about you know blue belt, two stripes blue belt, you learn to defend yourself. You're good. You're good in most street fights. Past that, it's just the people that you meet and the lessons that you learned. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll make an example here, like the Kimura. You know, the Kimura. I didn't really understand the Kimura until I got to my my brown belt. Really, I could do it statically. Mm-hmm. I could show my professor that I could do it, but I never really used it in sparring. It just, I, I don't know. I, could, I couldn't get like the angle of my shoulder over their elbow, right? Mm-hmm. Or something. And then like, I was frustrated about it. I was like tripping on it for like 18 months. And then I just like kind of one day let it go. I just let it go like a Buddhist. It's like, okay, maybe the Kimura is not for me. And right around, you know, brown belt after I let it go, it kind of revealed itself to me. And, the bird of paradise. Yeah. Like. And now I'm, now I'm all, now I'm all Kimuras. You know, so I, I think that like it's been from I'm just really passionate about how it's been a vehicle for me to sort of like develop my my artistic talents, my creative talents, my my high level like kind of like gamesmanship, the like cerebral wit, side of it, the cerebral side of it. Uh, meet some people, and I think that the I think that the actual practice of it can be taught better. Like, why are we doing the same hip escapes every day for three years? Why are we doing 
you know, why are we structuring practice? You know, and and this is going to sound like really, like really like kind of like ballsy, you know, coming from a brown belt. But I don't know. I've been grappling for 15 years. Like, I think I know a thing or two. And I, I have real questions about why we're doing things the way that we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and how we're structuring curriculum and what we're doing to bring up particularly beginners to shorten that. Like, how many people, like, we lose, you know, they say like, one in 1,000 is going to become a black belt. Why are we losing? Well, fucking, why don't we go back and question why are we losing so many people? January at the gym versus February at the gym. Yeah, why are we losing those people? Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah. Yeah, maybe we're losing some of those people because we never fucking stop and explain why they're hip escaping. No, I, uh, you know, I brought a couple of people into the gym yeah. and we'll be doing shots and I go, do you know why we're doing this? Or we'll be doing hip escaping. It's never, go, do you, you know never stop and explain go, it. Come here, I'll show yeah. you what, because we're trying to get away. Or this is, you know, me trying to take your legs down. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I just thought we were doing this because the black belt told us to, or yeah, the black yeah. belt told us to. Yeah. So, class. you know, you know, my pledge to my students is, you will always know what's going on. You will always know why we're doing things. You will always know. You will always know the metaphysical substructure of why. Is this sort of your? What, actually, let me just flat out ask you: What is sort of the mission statement of ESET BJJ? It's jujitsu for everybody. Yeah. Okay, elaborate on that. I mean, that that's a good tagline. But I mean, yeah. what does that mean to you? What are you trying to? Yeah, make? what that means to me is like you know, everyone, regardless of race, color, creed, physical ability, age, uh, it's not only welcome, but like we're gonna, you know, we can we can make this attainable for you. Like, you know, if you're 85 years old and you got bad hips, we're gonna teach you the game that works for you. If you're 20, uh, I mean, you you can teach someone just cloth chokes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you might not be able to move. You might if you're 85 year old, years old and you've got bad hips. You know what? The self-defense aspect might be lost on you. But you, you know, you might get, you might be at a point where you can no longer defend yourself. But you know what? You're welcome to, you're welcome to come do the warms that you can do, do the movements that you can do, do the chokes that you can do, and um, develop a real appreciation for the art. Yeah. You know, you want to hang, you want to like meet some new people. And meet some new people. You want to like hang out. You want to learn to spot technique. You want to learn to better contextualize what you're watching in MMA. You want to like learn to, you know, this whole side of this whole side of um, of martial arts that you, that's been a mystery for you. If you've been a lifelong stand up practitioner, this whole side of it, you want to start getting some context for it. Yeah, come on by, you know. So, um, you know, my 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 pledge to my students is, you know, for every movement, for every cornerstone movement, for every warm up technique, for everything that we do, you're gonna know why. That's, you know? Yeah, I like that. Um, that so you know, and I think that like stopping and explaining why, like better helps to better helps to sort of like cement in the the underpinnings, like the foundational underpinnings of sort of like the movements, right? I, so I, I completely. Anytime we're if, to make this in my work, anytime I'm trying to get like okay, we're going to update this system to do X, Y, and Z. I always ask why. Why are we doing it? Because that's how you 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 sell it to everyone else you need to know why we're doing it. it's going to make your life better oh it's going to make getting away from you know getting away from your opponent easier it's going to make setting up the arm bar easier yeah if you're just drilling something without knowing why and then six months into it you go oh hip escape got it yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not into that mr miyagi bullshit you know i mean some mm-hmm. sometimes i'll have to tell my students like just do it trust me but and we'll talk after th- class. yeah and then we'll talk after class or but we do talk after class you know or like you know i'll have to just tell them like hey this is two or three layers of sophistication deep and you're not yet ready to understand that. Yeah. But I promise this will, you know. But like I'll also I'll always make an effort to sort of like explain the the underpinnings of why, because you know I just you know when because otherwise you're just asking people to do things because you said to do it. And Which I don't feel like as you as a person. No. Yeah, I don't not, feel like that's who yeah, you are. Yeah. So, um, but in, in terms of like how how like your broader question, I'm sorry, I, I'm taking sorry. so long on these questions. Your broader question was. You know, how does it all work out, like, in terms of, like, leaving my job and sort of, you know, 
I left my jobs. I think, you know, maybe it's time to teach, you know. I got this opportunity. They're willing to host me. Um, I got a, when I was teaching the MMA group at Sac State, I had a group of kids was like, dude, like, you're the best teacher we've had. Won't you, won't you keep teaching us? I was like, I don't have anywhere to host you. And I was, so I kind of walked away from it. And well, wait, I don't have anywhere to host you. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Kelvin, but I kind of just put it away because I was focusing on my job. And Calvin was like, no, dude, you have to do this, man. I messaged everyone on my Facebook. Like you, like I sent a message to every email contact. I sent a message to every Facebook friend that I have. You have to do this. And I was like, all right, fuck. So I found this, I found this, you know, this space to host me. I was like, all right, you know, I always wanted to do this. And then, you know, again, this is my wife, you know, I always wanted, I always wanted to do the podcast. You know, my wife is, you know, she's the most beautiful nag. Because she's I was like, all right, honey, you said you wanted to do the podcast. When are you going to get the, let's look at some microphones. Love you, you know, but we'll, we should probably get on this. Yeah, yeah. you know, when's, when's the stand coming? When's the microphone coming? Is that the t- right type of microphone? I was researching that there's cardioid and dynamic mics. Are you sure you need a cardioid? Are you sure you don't need a dynamic? Mm-hmm. I love you, baby, but is that really the right mixer? You know, but she was really just like, you know, absent, absent someone telling you how, it's all just dreams. Oh, sure. You know? And so, um, you know, again, Haley was just like, maybe it's time to really take a look at this. You know, you want to do this. This is the ultimate goal. I don't think anyone who grapples with you, you know, maybe you'll get beat here and there, but I don't think anyone who grapples with you is going to tell you that you're unqualified to teach. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Like, all right. And around the same time, I was um, kind of approached out of the blue um, to see if I wanted to do some very, very, very part-time consulting work to kind of help develop a nonprofit. Okay. I can't say too much more than that, except that it would be... Well, if you need tech help on it, I can help you. Well, that, that actually might be very yeah. <laughs> But um, it replaced about half my salary for about a quarter of the, you know, maybe less than a quarter of the work. That's good math right there. Yeah. And um, the, you know, the jujitsu practice was um, profitable on day one. You know, on, on the first day, I, I signed up, a, a, you know, the students that we had in mind and others have trickled in. And so... It's not going to be a killing, but I'll have like half my income replaced with a, less than a quarter of the work. Maybe another third of it, re- maybe another quarter of it replaced with the jujitsu school. And say, hey, I got three quarters of my previous income. Not saving as much, but you're getting by, and yeah, not saving as much, but you're getting by. And this fucking school just got going. <laughs> this fucking school just got going. And actually, I just picked up another sponsor for the button. I picked up another couple sponsors for the podcast. That's great. And it's kind of like, okay, like, you know, you're going to take a pay cut, but we think that you don't need to report to. Report to someone else's business. And, you know, part of this, part of what happened too is like my manager at work was like, so we wanted to check in with you, you know, in the probationary period. We noticed you came in at 930. And I was like, well, you know, you know, I, I would I'm ask. I'm a salaried employee. I'll get to work. I was like, I'm a salaried employee and I was with you in Riverside doing a media training that I sourced, you know, for 17 hours. Are you going to, you know. I was like, you're gonna I think, pay me for that. You're gonna pay me for that. I was like, you know, I think this is what's really going on. The, you know, this place that I was working for had experienced a 90 percent turnover in the rank and file staff in the four months that Ooh, I was there. It's just not a good place to work. Yeah, it's no, just not, not a good place to work. Yeah. And I was like, I think you guys are fucking a little bit chauvinistic. And I think the guy that's really? 2018. Yeah, yeah. And I think the guy that's running this thing is gonna hold off because it's such a small firm. I think you guys are trying to hold off on hiring new people and seeing if you can squeeze the remaining employees out of a lot of work. And in, in so far as I've investigated, so far as I've known, you've never internally promoted one person in your company to begin with. So why would anybody even why try? Why am I hanging around? And so I'm going to cut my teeth and I'm going to bail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, not you, but I'm saying. Not, yeah, not me. And so the, the, you know, the fucking, the HR guy was like, 
you know, we noticed you came in at 9.30 and, you know, you're still in your probate, six-month probationary period. And I was like, oh, dude, like, you have no, like, you know, I respect what you're trying to do. I guess you're trying to get more work out of me because people left. But, you know, I, I have other options. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in fact, you guys can give me, like, a, you know, 50% raise right now or I'm leaving. Did and, you actually say that? Yeah. God bless you. <laughs> so I left, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because you know, at that point, I, I, I probably wouldn't even have stayed if they, you know, if they yeah. gave me the money. Um, I, I really want to develop this, this, you know, this business. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you know, they have a good mission. They have good people, but something about their culture, they're, they're, you know, they're, and they know it too. You so, know? smash cut ten years from now, where's ESEC BJJ at? Um, Idealistically and realistically. Yeah. Um, Uh, Ten years from now, hopefully, we have our first black belt. Okay. Right, we have a, a well-developed core of students that are throughout the spectrum of physical abilities, abilities to commit time to it, um, up and down the spectrum of attainment in terms of like their actual achievements in the art, uh, but they can all defend themselves. Um, I mean, that's really important for me. Is I think one thing that we're getting wrong in jujitsu culture right now, and just like Hickson, you know, just like uh, just like Hickson said, is like we're losing our our self defense identity. Yeah, people, and, are, you people know, are butt scooting. Yeah, people are butt scooting, and you know what what folks say in in reply to that is they say, "Well, yeah, but I guarantee you the world champions can still defend themselves." And I said that is that you know that that is a um that's a straw man argument, right? Because just because it's still effective doesn't mean it's most effective right right so just because these guys can still defend themselves doesn't mean they are best suited to defend themselves right right so and, and they all know that every they all know you know they all know that the if you were to imagine like the if you were to imagine like the like areas of knowledge right like as a as a circle right mm-hmm. so like one circle here like this little circle here is the rule set of competitive jujitsu the next bigger circle here would be the game, the scene of competitive jujitsu. The game, the gamesmanship of competitive jujitsu is always bigger than the area covered by the rules because there are strategic breaking of the rules to your advantage. Right. Right. So like just by, uh, in all, in all competitive cultures. So the game is always a little bit big. The rules is like maybe this big. The game is about that big. Mm-hmm. The art is like this big. Yeah, much bigger. Yeah. The art is much, much bigger. And then, and that's just the art of jujitsu, but like grappling. Yeah, even grappling everything. You know, even bigger. So um, in 10 years, I'll have, a, I'll have a body of students that understand stand-up grappling, that can take a shot, defend a, st- defend a shot, have two or three layers of defense. You know, uh, someone tries to like charge through them for the shot. They can sprawl. They can whizzer. Um, they can snap the head down. They can come up. They can reshot. Uh, they can take them down past guard. Need a, you know, neon belly, mounted triangle. They have like that whole, you know, I'd like to have like 50 students, 100 students that can all do that, you know, um, in one location. If you like BJJ stays in one location, you know, what I'm really interested in is um, sort of expanding to helping settle other areas that, that have not been settled. So there's not a single jujitsu school in West Sacramento. Yeah, that's an untapped market. Yeah, you know, um, there's no standalone location in Midtown. Well, there was. <laughs> there was. Moved, yeah. yeah, you know, 
Um, so, you know, I'm interested in sort of creating these different nodes, but also doing it, doing it in a way that adds value. Not, not just yeah, to you don't do want to cannibalize yourself. Not just to do it to, not, not only for myself, but not just to do it, just to do it, hmm. you know, um, but do it in a way that, that adds value. Uh, so yeah, in 10 years, I'm hoping, you know, 200 students, but more important, I mean, you know, whatever the student, whatever the, whatever the membership numbers are, whatever the money, is, like, I don't like. They can all defend themselves. Sounds like you're basically saying, I want a quality product out of my students. Yeah, Not yeah. to talk to students of product, but like I've trained them well enough to be a quality quote. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, whether they compete and validate themselves in competition, I don't give a shit. Like yeah. they've learned good lessons for, they've learned good lessons, lessons in life. Some of them have become friends socially. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's really, that's really, it. it's like having, a well-developed skill set of jujitsu out there that reflects not only my game but other other areas of, of my game. So I mean, you know, one thing that I'm really committed to as I continue continue to expand is, you know, when it comes time to teach Baron Bolo, mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring someone in for that. Because I'm not a Baron Bolo. Because that's not your game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I could, I could like statically apply it and show you here, 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 and here, this is what you do. Yeah. But it'll never be as good as someone who like did that. Yeah, yeah that's their. Yeah. That's their game. I mean, they're really going to show you the nuances, you know. So mm-hmm. like, when it comes time to show the Baron Bolo, I'm going to bring in a Baron Bolo guy and be like, "All right, let's just do a week on this," mm-hmm. you know. So that like, I don't want my students to just be little clones of me. I want right. them to all to have access to that full diversity, you know. Uh, I'm also interested in sort of, you know, this is past DSEC BJJ, but I'm also interested in how we make it accessible to, to all different walks of life. So how do we you know, knowing what I know about government, you know, how do we tap into, if possible, how do we tap into, you know, school district funds or how do we tap into after, after school program funds uh-huh. and create a program where, you know, hey, you know what, you can you do jujitsu for two hours, take it, you know, take a shower, do whatever, like a, at a boys and girls club mm-hmm. and do your homework, for, say, do, do your homework for, you know, do your homework for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's like a really stripped down version of what jujitsu could look like. Mm-hmm. But I'm also interested in, hey, why don't we put in you know, ESAC BJJ in the heart of East Sacramento. And there's like a little yoga room. There's like a little meditation room. There's green tea, right? So like the up and down the spectrum of luxury and up and down the spectrum of social and cultural norms, there's different ways to make jujitsu sort of appeal, you know, like grappling, like, um, you know, jujitsu in the hood is not going to look like jujitsu in ESAC. What do you mean by that? Well, just like what I said, like, you know, maybe jujitsu in ESAC has like green tea at the front. Maybe jujitsu in ESAC has... You yeah, know, but the mat's still ba- the mat. You know, the bamboos. You know, yeah, but yeah, but maybe the, maybe Jiu-Jitsu sack the, the the mat is like a very nice like faux bamboo product, and we've got like these recessed lightings, and it's very you know, okay. we're st- we're still going to teach you to to be a savage, but like, hey, maybe it's got some creature comforts, you know. Okay. But never losing sight of the fact that like, hey, you know, if we got to roll out a mat at the Boys and Girls Club, like, let's do let's it. Let's do know? it. Yeah, it's you know, but but just to say is like, hey, you know, if those folks in sack needed to kind of look like a yoga studio, needed to be like very zen dao, and if you want to like you know, pay extra to get the green tea or the cold brew afterward. Good. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do we that. We offer this, sir. Yeah. But that's not the core of the business. You know, that's just, that's a way to make it appealable to your sensibilities. Right. Right. And maybe in, you know, maybe in South Sac, we need to roll out like a mat, you know, in the middle of the basketball court when no one's using and it. Let's get nuts. And let's get, yeah, let's get nuts. You know, so, you know, I think that there's just, I feel like it's an anthropologically unique culture that has been stuck in its own ways. You know, I think that there's ways to kind of, you know, make it appealable to a bunch of different people. Martial arts is kind of that way. It's a culture, yeah. It's very traditional. It's very, I mean, outside of Bruce Lee and UFC, things have gone unchanged for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. 
just a few more questions. Okay. I'm assuming we're running out of time. Yeah, here. we're at about 90 minutes. Let's do maybe two or three more. All right. So I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you one question and then I'm going to go to the rapid fire round. Okay. There's always these shitty lines in 80s movies that say, like, to know a man, you must fight him. Yeah. You know, and like, to truly understand a man, you must grapple with him, blah, blah, blah. Is there any truth to that outside of the, like, oh, this guy doesn't, this guy doesn't quit. This guy's real tough. Is there anything you can tell about a person's personality? Oh, yeah. With them? I think so. And if so, what? Um, I think a tremendous amount. Like, you can know about, like, their habits of the heart, but you can't, like, you can know about their heart, like if they've if they've never grappled before, and or if they've never fought before, and you put them in a fight, mm-hmm. and it's clear to them that there's no escape, that they have to fight back. You can you can find out about their heart. I think. In terms of their intellect, you can if it's if they've spent time studying it, mm-hmm. you know, and you can tell if someone's smart. You basically, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You you can tell if someone's very clever. In, in jiu-jitsu. If they don't come across as clever, that doesn't mean they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I, I think I might not come across as particularly clever sometimes because I feel like I'm so kind of brutish sometimes, just half guard, smash, mount, you know, like like not particularly, cl- I might not come across particularly clever, mm-hmm. you know, but I might be, you know, pretty smart, you know, like some people won't come across as clever even though they are. You know, but some people, their cleverness will just peer through. Like their cleverness will just shine brightly like a diamond. And you'll be like, okay, I know this person is fucking super clever. You know, that's, you know, not for everybody. For some people, you can definitely tell if they're very, very clever. I remember there's just like this Japanese guy, Wiki. And uh, he and I had this like knockdown drag out round at Ultimate Fitness. And he was just like we were going back and forth. We were going back and forth for like a 15 minute round. And I was like, I was mostly, I was beating him mostly, but he was just not, you know, never saying die. And at the very end, you know, like I was like tackling him. I was like, you know, double legging him back down to his, back down to his guard. And in the momentum as he fell, he acted like he was going for an arm bar on my right arm. Mm-hmm. I pulled my right arm out and he immediately snapped it on my left arm. You son of a bitch. (laughs) And you know, you could, and I just like, when he did it, like I, like the whole thing flashed back in my eyes and I knew that he was planning on that, like three steps behind. And he didn't speak any, he didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Japanese, but I knew and he knew and he knew that I knew. And I just kind of smiled at him and he kind of gave me this like shit eating grin. Yeah. And so like, I just realized how clever Wiki is, you know, without ever having actually just spoken a word of, I just knew that motherfucker is very clever, you know, for what he just did. Um, but you can also tell if someone fundamentally, you know, the, the heart thing is not a cliche. You can't teach heart, you know. Yeah. Um, I wish you could. Yeah, I wish you could. <laughs> and then there's other, there's other sort of like, um, there's other. You can tell someone's like sort of like problem solving process. I think. So like, if you if you put someone in like deep trouble, do they freak out? Do they spaz out? Do they turn and show you their back or do they kind of like stay composed does their breathing get shallow and mm-hmm. rapid or does their breathing stay you know as close to the same as it can be um all these things kind of start to reveal themselves right do they panic um if they can if they're better than you do they try to hurt you or do they just try and show yeah, what's you what their you're doing? pride do at that moment yeah what's their pride do at that moment you know um and then you learn about yourself too right if you're better than them 
you know, and then also how forgiving are you of you know, like I, just, I was I was showing this I was just showing this white belt guy around, you know, odd man out. I just got fixed to work technique with him, and it was it was like his second or third day, right? And I mean, he was just like I was just kind of just showing. Just it was like a like a private for him, you know. Yeah. It was really good. Oh, you don't want to do this? You, you don't want, want to do that. yeah, do this, you know. And I and I and actually I became better doing that for him, you know. I I got a little bit better doing that too. But you know, no no good deed goes unpunished because you know when it came time to spar and you know he wanted to spar, you know I mean he was just spazzing around in his like knee. I don't know he like he was just flapping around everywhere. His knee just kind of like went through my knuckle. Ugh. You know, like I you know really badly dislocated my my middle finger on my left. And you know at that moment I had the option to just be the worst human ever, or to kind of be like, well you know. This is sort of what you give back to jujitsu, you know, is your 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 graciousness at this moment because he didn't mean to do you didn't mean to do that, you know that he didn't mean to do that. Yeah. So you know your graciousness is sort of at that moment where you could really be a giant dick and drag your you know like run your own knee through his sternum or whatever, um, or you could understand that he didn't mean to do it and you kind of that's that's a little hit that you took for the art today, you know, to develop another grappler that's a little hit that you took, you know. So, you know, I, I think you can tell a lot, man, honestly. Yeah. Now we're going into rapid fire questions okay, here. here now. Go. It's gonna be just quick, you know, one, two, one, two words, one sentence, nothing. Okay. Favorite sub. Oh right now it has to be the North South choke. All right. I've had you put me in that. It's not fun. Yeah. Gi or no gi? Both. I'll I'll take a competition or whatever. If I had to pick, probably no gi, but it's both. I don't care. You play Magic the Gathering. You want to play Magic the Gathering with me? Yeah, absolutely. I played this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do white decks. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be around. I'll play whenever. The new, the new. I follow Magic the Gathering on Facebook. Sure. The new mechanics that they're showing on Facebook look really complex. They're, they're, I hate them. They're super. There's these things it, it, called sagas. Like, they're super annoying. Seems like they're getting away from the core of the game. And they have been since the nineties. Yeah. Uh, best looking MMA fighter. I want a man and a woman on this one. Ooh, the best looking MMA. The man is by, by far Alan Jaboon. Okay. And um, the woman's probably Paige. Paige? I hate okay. to say it. Yeah, no, I like she's up. Yeah. yeah, she's not great. an ugly woman. Favorite book? Ooh, my favorite book. Um, honestly, it, and not just because it's my last book, but this is my favorite nonfiction book, I'll say, is uh, Coming Apart, which I recently read. Um, here, and I'll, I'll quickly tell you who it's by. <laughs> um, He's Googling it right now. He doesn't actually know who it's by. Charles Murray. So coming apart just basically talks about sort of like how these like different segments in American society have been just pulling away from each other. I think you talked to me. It's about super interesting, actually. man. Yeah. My favorite nonfiction book is If on a Winter's Night a Traveler. It's uh, Italo Calvino, and basically the idea is that um, it's like ten unfinished stories, and they're all left at their moment of climax. Oh God, that'd give me anxiety. Reading yeah, it's, that. yeah, it's because you're like a detective who's on the tail of this guy who's running like a phony printing press, mm -hmm. and he's just like printing out all these apocryphal stories. It's really relevant in the time of fake news. Actually, it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie? Ooh, um, The Good Shepherd. Oh, that's... you didn't like that? No, it's fine, but it's full of shit. That's not even remotely how the CIA got started. No, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, I don't uh, give a shit about the historical accuracy. It's just, <laughs> man, it's just a great story. You don't think it's a great story? No, it's a good story. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it got Pesci back. Uh, power rankings: one, two, and three. Mexican food, Italian food, French food. Italian food. Um, I don't even know what French food is. Like, I guess they never let me into a nice French place. Apparently not. Go to Capri. Uh, Cap. 
Pactal Basaria on K and 10th? I don't even know what they're serving, except I'll bet you that's a place where the servings are too small. Uh, no, actually, the mussels are quite large. Really? Uh, uh, so Italian food, just because like 90%, like, I feel like 50% of the time, if you're having a great meal, it's probably an Italian meal. You know? Mex- How bad is your, your do your parents feel about you not putting Mexican at the top of this? Mexican's number two. Mm-hmm. Also, Mexicans don't have much to show in the way dessert. No, flan is horrible. Flan is suck. Flan sucks. A churro is a donut shaped a different way. Yeah, yeah, dude. The Mexican desserts all suck. That's all. It's all beggar food. It's all like. It's all like, feudal. It's all just you know. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's all you know. It's, it's food for the masses. You know, which is you can make really great hearty food. Sure. You know, like that. Like tacos are amazing. That's yeah, the best. Right. Like in any form of a wrap, tacos are the best way to do it. You know. Yeah. But what that means is, like, when it comes time for the delicacies, like for the like the really delicacies, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of culture there to support like high end delicacy, you know. And there's not a lot of culture there to support like high end like you know confectionery and shit like that. Like that's just Centro not does a pretty good job. You know what? Centro. Yeah, they know they do a pretty good job. But I'm just saying those are just variations on what's already there. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, they're just they don't even have any desserts. Like you know, it's just not a it's not like a fully sophisticated level of. Are you a dessert guy? No, I'm just saying, like, there's, yeah. it's just missing out of their game, you know? Uh-huh. We're like Italian food, man, Italian, they have seafood, they have, like, pasta, they have the sauce game down, right? Yeah. They have steaks. I mean, you look at Italian food, it's like, they got the whole gamut of, they got the breads down, right? They got the, yeah. This I is mean, the most excited you've been on this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like every, every culinary, as- you know, every aspect of food is done, right? Like, every major food group, every macro, um, yeah, the seasonal cooking, they got it down, right? You know, I mean... Mexican food is just kind of like, it's just, it's the same thing. <laughs> in a different delivery device. In a different delivery device, yeah. Power ranking booze, whiskey, gin, tequila. One, gin two, is three. number one. Good, correct gin answer. Gin is number one for sure. Um, I'm a big gin and tonic guy. Tequila is really good. So tequila is really good with like lime and salt and like a little bit of tahini okay. on the rocks. Oh my God, it's so fucking good. My girlfriend's obsessed it's, with tahini. Yeah, tahini on everything, man. Yeah. Whiskey's not bad. I like to do whiskey with a lime in it. Um, but you know, whiskey. All my years bartending, I've never done that. Yeah, it's a whiskey sour, but without all the sugar. Yeah, without all the yeah. Yeah. The too um, but dude, gin, gin. You know what? Gin has the greatest potential to turn it into. You can turn it into a white linen if you want to. Like you know, you can turn it into a corpse reviver. You can turn it into a gin and tonic. You can turn it into a cruel into a cruel bloom. Mm-hmm. You can turn it into a Negroni. That's my uh, drink of choices. Yeah, but I mean, there's just so many variations of the flavor profile that you can put gin into. You know, I, I always said about gin is that you start drinking like champagne and wine coolers and then you end at gin. Like you gin start is like down and out. Yeah, like gin <laughs> is like, okay, I've, I've, I'm, I'm now a drinker. Like, you know, I start with, oh, my little wine cooler's fun. Then you get to beer. You maybe move, you know, move up to like, you know, a wine or something. You end at gin. Gin. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, gin, <laughs> like, just I give me gin and some olives. gin and water. <laughs> yeah. uh, favorite restaurant in sack? Ooh. Um, I like Espanol. Okay. On fifty on fifty uh, seventh and uh, Folsom. I went there. I did not like it at all. What didn't you like? It seemed like everything. I'm not going to talk bad about. No, it. No, no, come not... on, Disney, fuck it. It, okay. it. it didn't. There wasn't a lot of flavor there. It seemed sort of like uh, kind of everything came out of a can. I it wasn't. It, yeah. It really didn't do it I for me. I get that. I get beautiful, that. beautiful building. People were super nice. Yeah. I yeah. like the layout. I of, like, this yeah, is what I we're got cooking. That. I like the ambiance. Yeah. I get that. Um. I also really like Juicy's down in the Delta. It's in like Walnut Grove. Okay, I've never been. Um, it's right on the Delta. They serve seafood. Um, nice. It's a full, it's a full course like a Portuguese dinner, garbanzo mm. bean soup, 
a little bit of salad, whatever your main course is, and you get bazooki at the end. Nice. Same as Espanol, but it's just like it's just all Delta River. It's, you know, the Delta was um the Delta was kind of frozen in time in the seventies when the governor at the time decided that they weren't gonna get any any new water allotments so that right. all that water can go to LA. Right now yeah. that's a whole Yeah, now that's a whole issue, you know. Um so the people are there, it's just kind of a bunch of old timers. Mm-hmm. It's just a very cool ambiance. Um, I went to a barbecue joint out there the other day. It was phenomenal. I can't the, remember the name of it. Out in the uh, Delta. Yeah, it was a. It was like a. It was called something hardware. Yeah. Crazy. If you if you live in Sacramento, and you're a jujitsu bum, and I know a lot of you are, you owe it to yourself to just tr- take your girlfriend, drive down to the Delta, just start cruising down like Freeport, and just take a right turn and a left turn, see where you end up, man. It's the, it's so beautiful, man. It's a fucking you know, it's a fucking every one of those turns off the Delta. You know, and this is part of why I started Sacktown Talks, too. It's like every one of those turns off the Delta is a fucking postcard, man. It's so I, pretty. I agree. Uh, the girl That's and I did so that. We spent, we spent a whole day doing that, like 12 hours, just driving around. Oh, let's see this. Let's stop in this small town. What the hell is this? Yeah. Oh, cool. Let's talk to these random people. Surprisingly large amount of bikers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah really cool. Yeah. Really, I really, really like really that part cool of town, there. which I didn't know at all when I came from L.A. Oh, dude, good. Have you been to the Sugar Mill? Uh, my, my girl, uh, joined a wine club up there. We're actually supposed to go next week. Get your ass down there. Yeah. It's I, super cool. Yeah. It is yeah. She, she loves it. Get a, um, dude, take a lift or get like a, get like a party bus with like, or like a party in a limousine with a bunch of people. Just go get drunk at the, you know, just go get drunk at the sugar milk. Super fun. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And, uh, she ordered the uh, Kirkov, Chikov, something yeah. winery. Super good. I'm a huge wine snob and I hate everything about myself because I've become this guy that I never wanted to be. I get that. Where it's like, yeah, you drink wine because you like it. You don't, and then now I'm like, mm, well, it has subtle notes of butterscotch. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I hate myself. My 16 year old self would kick my 34 year old self's ass. Yeah. Oh, hey, just real quick. Um, um, Sellens. I really like Sellens. They, they do the like the dinner for two and a bottle of wine for 25 bucks. Where is that place? I know this place. It's like on 54th and H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That they got another one in Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, it's dinner for two is dinner for two people and a bottle of wine in East Sacramento. Yeah, are you kidding for me? For twenty five bucks. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, all you jujitsu bums, take your girlfriend <laughs> the Sullins. <laughs> favorite bar in town? Ooh, favorite. I'll tell you what my not my favorite bar in town is. Is the Round Corner? Oh, that I place. have a horrific story that I will tell you off microphone about that yeah. place. Yeah, I, you know, I used to live by the Round Corner, and I'll tell you, man, they are. Um, they are non-ironically shitty. It's like, too it's well lit shit. for a dive bar. It's too well. Yeah, you, you can, can see have those a wrinkles. bright dive bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I hate that place. I'll tell you that story off my good luck. Good luck. You know, I've really enjoyed the flamingo. Um, the flamingo house. My friend works there. It's cool. Who's your friend? Uh, Lindsay. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Um, wait, the blonde. I'm not going to answer any questions on my oh, that's, about that's this right, right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, if it's who I think it is, she's lost like a, like 50 pounds or something. She looks great. Um. Because she used to be the bartender at Golden Bear. Um, yeah, so, dude, what I actually really like about the Flamingo House is, and it's also weird how, like, servers in a small town can be, like, like, everyone knows them. Like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. She probably doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, you, because, like, I oh, yeah, that's, so much. Yeah. Do I know you? No, I bartend over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, like, my, my bar, like, my barista, mm-hmm. my barista across the street from the Capitol, Liz Dots, just killed herself. Jesus Christ. She hung herself on her birthday. Jesus Christ. You know? But now everyone's like saying like, oh, I knew her. I was like, no, not, not everyone was a best friend with her. You knew her because she was she your barista. Your coffee, you yeah. know, um, 
I, all I'll say about it, she seemed so nice, man. She seemed so nice. Nobody knows what's going on. Between no one knows what's going on, man. You know, if you I think everyone's you know, got a good yeah. life, and yeah, you know, everyone's everyone wonders like, what can I do? What could I, you know, like fucking talk to your friends. Yep. <laughs> talk to your friends. Reach reach out to them in a genuine way. Offer your, you know, and even even in in, in the best of times, offer yourself as you know, I'm here for anything you might need, and really mean it. Not just like not just, not just saying like, it. Not just like oh, you know, I'm oh, yeah, anything you need, you know. Um, anything you need, but when it comes time to to to, to move, don't call me. Yeah. You know, like be like be better, more genuine, and caring people, all of you, including myself. Um. Okay, what's next? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that was a <coughs> power ranking Sacramento activities: Old Town, Capital, Kings, River Cats, the River. The River is number one. The river is number one. Old Town is, you know, I don't know. Old Town's okay. It's kind of, you know, once you've seen it once, you don't need to see it again. Mm -hmm. The Capitol is cool. The, um, the Capitol was redone in the 70s. It's a plaster building. It's yes. not historic. It's not, you know, it's, it's the, ins the guts of it aren't that pretty. Okay. What's cool to see in the Capitol is like go, go in September or late August when it's the end of session and they're debating the, all the bills that didn't get through in the rest of the year that are going to have actual substantive debate. They're going to be, they're going to go through in late August and late September. If you're a political guy, go, go to the gallery and just watch them debate this shit till midnight, hmm. you know, at each other. So, so what's really interesting too, is like the, it's all a debate among Democrats. Yeah. The Republicans we're a one party are, state. Well, the Republicans are irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. So you can just see like it's like a really good lesson like the spectrum of in the spectrum of like the democratic party yeah what is you know? the spectrum of the left yeah yeah or like go on the day when the appropriation files when the appropriations files drops mm -hmm. and they say like what bills are going to get money and what bills aren't and like you can see all the lobbyists for the different interest groups like 200 of them in like the in the fucking in, you know in the hallway and we're like yes i got it no i didn't you know i mean that's what's interesting about the capital um the architecture isn't that pretty the building's not that pretty the the courts building, the Supreme Court building across the street from the Capitol to the left, if you're facing the Golden the mm -hmm. Golden Bridge, that's the prettiest building we have as a state. It's as a state? Yeah. It's it's, it's amazing. Claim. It's an amazing building on the inside. Well, maybe it's a state in Sacramento, but it's amazing. It's a fucking beautiful building. Um, the, the archives are beautiful, too. Um, the, but the river has to be number one, man. It offers so many opportunities for recreation. Um Hey, you don't need you don't need a lot to get by on the river, man. You just need a floaty and just a, a you know a six pack of beer or whatever you know whatever you want to drink. You can go from Bradshaw down to Sunrise. That's a four hour float yeah. with you and your loved ones for five dollars. Yeah, no, it's a cheap, fun activity. It's the you know it, it's for everybody, you know. Last question: Is Sacramento a fight town or a basketball town? Oh man, I I can say yeah, we're a more accomplished fight town. I would, yeah, I, you know, I, we have, we have two outside of the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think recently we're, there's probably more attention on basketball just cause it's the bigger, it's the bigger platform yeah, right now. Bigger, yeah. More people know about the Kings than they know about. Yeah. Know. More people know about the Kings. More people are sort of like follow it, I guess. Mm -hmm. The Kings probably employ more people than Alpha Male does, I'm sure. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Got a stadium for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of cultural relevance, the the blip that the Kings are making in the NBA scene is kind of like bleep. And the blip that like Alpha Male is making in the UFC, in the MMA scene is like boom. Yeah. It's a huge, yeah. It's a huge blip. So I feel like in terms of relevance in their disciplines, Alpha Male is doing more. 
than the king's heart. You know, I hope no one would take this out of context and be like, oh, Gibran saying alpha male over king. No, like, alpha male is a uniquely talented group of, you know, men and women. And they are making, like, a huge impact in their sport with very, I mean, they're not under-resourced. But, I mean, with, with not a lot, they're making a fucking incredible impact. You know, under the, you know, un- under the leadership of a guy who started thinking about this as a system, who started thinking about how do I take care of my buddies mm-hmm. and make a lasting impact. You know, he started setting up the infrastructure for that at 23. That's insane. At 23, I was a yeah. shit monster. At 23, he started like renting out rooms. Mm-hmm. You stay with me. This is the block. You know, I mean, he's he's the... He's building a team, legitimately. He's, yeah, he's building a team. You know, I mean, he did that kind of on his own back. So mm-hmm. I think he's one of the most singularly important cultural figures in Sacramento, you know, of our generation. I could definitely see that. But yeah. That's it for me, man. Cool. Thanks for having me on. And I hope uh, people, you know, are glad that they got to know Yeah, a all right. No, I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much for this. Because, you know, a couple of people asked me, so I was like, you know, we should do it. And thanks for preparing. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, no problem. My last question, how much weight has you, have you lost since you started grappling? Oh, God. You look different. 60? 60 pounds? You Maybe lost 40? You lost 60 pounds? Yeah, and I'm actually, pounds? I probably, because I, I hurt my thumb and then work's been crazy. I've been working 16 hour days. I've been, I've been to the gym maybe three times the last month and a half. It's just been hell. Oh, really? Um, I probably put on 10. So, yeah, no, I've lost a lot of weight. I'll show you a picture after the podcast. I don't want to scroll through my phone right now, but a lot. Yeah. And yeah. That's what, like, anytime I see a bigger dude at the gym, I want to go talk to him and be like, hey, man. Come on, come on, keep dude, keep coming. Like, yeah, keep coming. You, th- this is good, and I'm terrible. I can't roll for the entire time. You know, I have to take breaks. I'm out of shape and all this stuff. But it's like, if you can keep coming, like, it, it works. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you really. Uh, I mean, that's that's it, man. I mean, like, uh, you might not be. You, you you're so busy professionally. You've got a full social calendar. You might not be like chasing medals. That might not be why you're doing it. So what does it mean? What does a win mean for you? You know, it's like you lost sixty fucking pounds, and really big, tall guys don't live for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that, you know that what I mean? is what, a win for me. Is if you were to tell me, Blake, go run stairs for you know six hours a week, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. But if I go to you know four classes a week, I can do I that. Gone in a minute. That's fine, and because I enjoy it, it's not boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the win for me. Is just it's it's a unique experience that I enjoy doing, so it keeps me coming back. Very and cool. I suppose my blue belt was a huge win for me. I still think someone paid Dustin to give it to me. I don't think it's real. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Trying to explain what I love about jujitsu makes no sense. All right, brother. Well, let's see that. Hey, thanks for doing yeah, this. Thanks, Appreciate you. Appreciate you.